power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. Tomorrow is here. The Golden Stallion, Savzu, the Rated R Radio Star, ready to bring on a uh, little Sovereign Technica supplemental. Wait a minute, did I say Sovereign Technica? What was that? I, I should not have said that. Whoa. But <laughs> you just heard the voice of Ellen Sovereign. Mrs. Sovereign is joining us uh, for this fun little episode. We've got a bunch Woo! of stuff we're going to get into. Woo, absolutely. Uh, let me make some room for you on the desk here. You got, oh, are you kidding me? That computer's so <laughs> tiny. You don't need any room on the desk. I have recently inherited uh, Brian's what, CPD. Or micro, GPD. GPD. Right. Micro PC. Yeah, now, you know, it's funny, actually. I think in the Telegram group for Sovereign Tech... Um, Somebody asked, like, you talked about a PC months ago, this little PC. What is it? Uh, and that's it, the GPD Micro PC. Um, What's the size of the screen on this? Is it like six inches, five inches? No, I think it's six. I think it's six. I got a ruler. I can measure it. Yeah. No, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure it's six. Uh, Measured I, by the hypotenuse, I was right? going to say, yeah. Six and it's, it's, the screen itself is six, um, but the whole thing. The case around it is half an inch bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I have something I could measure with, but I don't. But it's, it's such it's a bigger big than case. That. It's yeah. really tough. Like <laughs> yes. this little computer, I got a case for it. I don't think it really needs it. No, I never bought a case for it. I, I mean, the only thing is, this isn't waterproof. The case is. Right. But yeah, this thing, like, you could run over it with a truck, and it would be fine. I think so. Uh, I mean, you know, when GPD advertises it. Um, I mean, they take a hammer to it, you know, like a, like an actual hammer. Um, I will put it out there. If people are interested in getting these, they've, they come out with like newer models. Uh, so pay attention to the processor, pay attention to, there might be like a, an entirely different model that might be of more interest. Cause they have ones that come with nine inch screens, have a little bit of a bigger keyboard, but you actually wanted the nice little, um, I love that it's keyboard. so tiny. Yeah, yeah. So you say, so, uh, Brian thinks that it's easier to hold this, like, like one of those old slider phones yeah. where you actually like type with your thumbs and you hold it with both hands. Yeah, like a sidekick. Um, yep. Yeah, which you can do, and mm -hmm. I think it's very easy to do that. Um, I also like sitting down at a table with it and typing because my hands are really small. And on a, <laughs> on a big, normal-sized keyboard, right. which is big to me, right. um, I, I make a lot of mistakes. And on this thing, it, it's just so much more so compact. Precise. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say, like over any new models that GPD may have come out with, this is the only one that has a, a serial port, that has a COM port on the back. So um, many ports. Oh, there's tons of ports in this thing. <laughs> I love that machine so much. Um, I, I'm glad you're enjoying the hell out of it. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you take it with you everywhere. And I mean, part of the reason, you know, you got this was, well, we, we had to go through a bit of an equipment upgrade because 
and we're going to talk about this later on in the episode, um, we've got an adventure we're going on. We are going to uh, uh, engage our, you know, uh, explorer sides of ourselves. You know, <laughs> we're going to test our survival abilities. Yes, yeah, yeah. We've got we've got at least a year long adventure coming up very soon, uh, where we are going to be doing some van lifing, as it were. Um, but we'll be talking about that a little more later. We did have an adventure opening this baby up, though. Um, we did have an adventure this past weekend. Oh, what an adventure that was! <laughs> it was a, it was a Sonic adventure, not the video game. Though that's a great fucking video game. Um, and actually, I might we might have seen Sonic Adventure graphics from that appear on the screen where we were at. We went to we went down to Massachusetts. Um, which that's certainly uh, endangering oneself. <laughs> oh, I hate driving in Massachusetts. It, yeah, it, it, it's it's such a, a shitty state. Yeah, like, we overall. almost get into an accident almost every time. Not our fault, but because people are... Mass holes are a real thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a term well-deserved. I mean, it, it's, it's fucking insane. You know, at the same time, it's a place with a ton of history. Some of it very good history. Oh, um, some of it really terrible, too. Some of it really I mean, terrible. Salem. Salem. <laughs> Magi- Need we say more? No, right? Magical place, but damn, uh, you know, one with a with a bloody history. Uh, terrible. I guess um, you that, could say the whole U.S. has that kind of history, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's true. That's true. But like, certainly, you know, Salem has has some special history. Yes. Uh, shall we say? Um, we were there recently too, hanging out with some friends. That was yeah, that was awesome. It was a um, good time, except we went on Halloween, which was a bad time. Because... Well, it was a good time because it's a that town is just. I mean, proverbially so on many, fire. Yeah, uh, characters, that. everybody's dressed up. Yeah. Like, the, the witches are out in full spirits. But also, it's a place that people flock to. It's it's like it's like Mecca for everybody that loves witchery, witches, spirituality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, for yeah. the occult and the esoteric, it is certainly a Mecca for that. And which is great. Like, I'm glad places like that exist. Um it's just hard to drive through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we had to get to a bodybuilding show, uh, and well, we oh, still... and it was pouring rain. Oh, that was insane! Boy, <laughs> the stories we could tell. The drainage on streets down there is <laughs> not good at all. Your car, <laughs> your your little Mazda three, almost oh got God. drenched or almost got like covered because the, the roads were so flooded. The, the road was so flooded. Right. I looked at this giant puddle, which was almost a lake, and I was like, I don't know if we're going to make it, but I'm just going to hold down the gas until we get through because if I let go, the engine's going to get yeah, flooded. Yeah, just gun it. Yeah. yeah. We drove through this giant puddle. A wave of water literally went over the entire car. Yeah. That's how deep it was. Yeah. I wasn't worried, though, because... We made it. We made yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, earlier that night, I was hanging out with, you know, four-time Mr. Olympia, Jay Cutler. Uh-huh. There were some other big boys there, and I would have just, you know, if the car stalled, it would have said, Jay, Jay, come on over here, man. Just push <laughs> it push through. Push the car. Let's, let's get out through and push the car. Through that nasty Massachusetts street water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all get... I mean, it looked fantastic. There's heroin needles floating around in there. <laughs> But it would have made fine. for a great photo shoot. I mean, Jay's back, you know. Yep. Like, anyway, it would have been. You would amazing. all be shirtless. Too. Yeah, yeah. You just have like all these huge dudes just pushing you, and you're just smiling back. I'd be wheel. sitting on top of the car waving. Oh my god! Oh, oh, what a sight! God, I'm I'm getting a little uh, getting a little excited here. Anyway, um, all right. So other excitement. That was God. When was that? Was it? A, that was oh, that was Halloween, Halloween. right? Yeah. So it wasn't a year ago, but it was a few months ago. Yeah. Um, um, but this time we went to Worcester. Yeah, we went to Worcester, uh, a place we've been to many times, which is the Palladium. Uh, one of the most 
historic music venues in the United States. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. Um, tons and tons and tons of history there. Many bands that came over from Europe, part of like, say, the new wave of British heavy metal or whatever, um, or, you know, really any band, you know, coming from, from across the Atlantic, usually what they'll do is they'll start their tour in, uh, you know, they'll start their tour in Canada, okay? And then their first date in the United States will almost always be uh, the Palladium, you know, for, for many bands. In fact, the first time the band that we were going, the main band we were going to see, uh, that they played in the United States, what according to Herman Lee anyway, and that name gave it all away for those that know, uh, was at the Palladium. Um, so, you know, that's some pretty amazing history, uh, you know, to have in there. But I mean, and, and we're talking about Dragon Force, uh, just a band really unlike any other. Um, I've been a fan of that band for, well, just about as long as they've been around. Uh, How long have they been around? Like 20 years? Well, so that's the funny thing. Like, I could have sworn Herman Lee said that they started in like 2006, but I didn't think that their first album came out till like 2008 or 2009, Valley of the Damned. Uh, I mean, most people in America didn't know them until Inhuman Rampage hit. And that was a part of Guitar Hero where they did Through the Fire and the Flames. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they've been around, you know, at least 15. Uh, and they've had a lot of albums in, in that time frame. Um, and amazingly, they, they seemingly just keep getting better. Even though I didn't think their last album, Extreme Power Metal, would that come out in 2020, 2019? Um, I didn't think it was as as good as some of their previous efforts, but it was solid. Uh, anyway, so that was the main band we were going to see. And because, you know, who doesn't, when you hear a Dragon Force album, how can you not want to like experience like, okay, I got to see these people play live. I got to have my face melted in real time. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's what happens when you listen to the albums. It's insane. <laughs> uh, and, and really, I mean, like there's great bands that have come since they started, uh, you know, like Battle, or well, Battle Beasts didn't get to play. They were supposed to play there too. We've already seen them at the Palladium actually. Uh, but like you think Beast in Black, um, you know, they're Heat. There's a slew of bands that are phenomenal, you know, that have come out. But I still think that Dragon Force is like the apex of metal. Like this is as far as you can go, you know, and... With power metal, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the whole, I think that's power metal's whole gig is like, they're just trying to be as fast and intense as they possibly can. Well, kind of. I mean, sometimes power metal is more like Rhapsody of Fire where it's... I mean, it's very melodic, but like you gotta have, you gotta be talking about dragons and all that crap, which certainly Dragon Force does. It's in the fucking name. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you're you're kind of right. Like, because I don't necessarily think it's speed metal. They are speed metal. Like you could classify them there, but power metal doesn't always have to be that. Um, I don't know. What do, what do you think? Yeah. I so some of the bands that were opening for mm -hmm. Dragon Force, I don't know that I would have thought of them as power metal, but maybe they fit into that category. Um, I'm not really sure. There's so many different kinds of metal. It's hard to distinguish yeah. and to delineate. Yeah, and people like toss these terms around yeah. kind of willy-nilly as well. Because um, there's like some progressive elements in some right. of these bands, but there's also some speed metal and power metal. Yeah, like I still don't understand really what metalcore is. I don't understand what degent or dent or however they want to pronounce that is. Like these are different types of metal that I'm kind of, I, I just... I don't get it, you know? I mean, but I, I know I listen to bands that get classified under that, but I wouldn't call them that, you know? Yeah, sure. Uh, like, I think Amaranth gets called metalcore. Why? Like, I, I you know, that that's just some hard rock. You know, that, that's some great metal right there. 
but that's the same thing with me too is like i also don't know that or i know the difference but i also don't agree that there's a difference between hard rock and metal but whatever so <laughs> the bands say speaking of which the bands that that were were playing and this is a pretty loaded set it was amazing i yeah. don't think we've ever seen so many artists in one night yeah from a single yeah. venue yeah it was four bands um Show started at seven, went till about midnight, you know, or eleven thirty or so, something like that. But we had so seven spires, which they have a couple albums deep. Uh, they're they're, I mean, they're known, but they're from the area. They're like from Boston. Yeah, they're kind of a local band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so seven spires, they get into a little bit of screamo. That's never really my bag, but I mean, I can get into it. But whatever, they they were fine. Um, then visions of Atlantis. Uh, yeah, that was a lot more melodic. There, there were duets going on with that. Yeah, uh, there's a lot about pirates sailing on the seas. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, like they were up on stage dressed as pirates and everything, and they were doing the full act. And the lead singer, you know, I mean, they have two singers, but the lead, the lead lead singer, I always think of as the gal. Um, you know, she's totally into it and like talking, like you're all welcome aboard our ship and everything. And I'm like, oh fuck yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, to have bands have the nuts to be that kind of corny and campy. They and... are looking for a new crew. Yeah, right. But like, <laughs> but but their songs were heavy. I mean, it, it was so cool. To I, I love that when you get you're getting a you know a real performance, um, and you're you're kind of like you know bending reality on the stage. Um, you don't get that enough. You know, uh, it takes guts. Yeah. To, yeah. to be that corny. Yeah. To, they, to really get into the act. Right. I mean, the few bands like Man of War, of course, would do that. And there's some others that, that are willing to do that. But even even some of the longtime acts will stop after a while um, or they get said, oh, you went too far, like sticks or something, which I don't agree with. But wh whatever. Like, I thought it was awesome. I thought Visions of Atlantis was great. And they definitely get classified as power metal. Um, Firewind, which was the next band. Yeah, they were awesome. They were phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, of course, <laughs> Gus G, one of the greatest guitarists of all time, certainly one of the kind of young gods uh, as far as guitars go. Um, you know, he's he's an Aussie's band as well. But Firewind is really where he started. They've been in, you know, they've been in this act for 20 years. Uh, fuck, were, were they amazing? But them, I consider more of a hard rock act. Like they're not I wouldn't call them really power metal. Uh like, I don't, I don't even know that they're, well, I don't know. Anyway, that's, the, 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 to your point, like, yeah, that's who the of, fuck knows what the shit is. Go so ahead. that was the first time that I had ever heard Firewind. But uh -huh. I think, no, we listened to an you album, to the, an album the day before we went. Yep. But I think I agree with you that they were more of, uh, like, melodic rock or power metal, or then power metal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they were, they were phenomenal. And, like, their cover of Maniac... That from was Flash fun. Dance. Oh, oh, that my was so gosh. great. And the guy's just like jumping up and down and everything. Yeah, oh. we're doing the little dance. <laughs> the arms up and down. Yeah, that was intense. <laughs> they, they've got great music. Even their, their latest album was, and I'm amazed how much they played off of that. Uh, it was great. Like, opens right up heavy. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, very good. Um, but then Dragon Force came on. Woo! Uh, and we can talk <laughs> more about this, but, you know, we're, we're giving, we're having, we're opening the show up, having fun, getting a review in here. Um, Dragon Force comes out. I mean, and their setup took a while. Like, it was amazing. These bands really, I mean, we've been there at the Palladium specifically where it's taken 40 minutes to get the next band ready. Yeah. You know, and not just the main band, but all the bands, you know, where there's like these big pockets of time. Uh, that was not the case. I thought the bands were like yeah. rapid firing coming out and they were only doing, you know, maybe 40 minute to hour sets each um, 
And, but, you know, Dragon Force took a little bit longer to get set up because, boy, do they have a stage show. I mean, it is, and, and I shared some video. If you're a Sovereign Tech patron, you got to go to patreon.com slash Sovereign Tech. I shared some video and photos uh, from the event, you know, and you can see, like, <laughs> the Dragon Force stage show. Holy fuck. I mean, it's crazy. But, I, I mean, I started screaming the instant they brought out a, an arcade cabinet of Gradius. Uh, yeah, they like, had two. Yeah, yeah, and they're big. Like, they're oversized, but they have screens in them that they actually work. They were so big that people were standing on top of them while they were right, performing. Right, the guitarists could get on top. You know, it was, it's so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you know, but they only went, I want to say they went an hour. Do you think they went any more than that? No, I don't think so. You do have a set list from what they played. That's true. I have the set list. Yeah, well, it's and, right right over there. A yeah. guy, like, gave it to me. It was, it was hilarious. But <laughs> He thought you were his buddy. He's like, oh, well, so this isn't awkward. Uh, take this. Yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> he might have. Because remember, when we were going into the Palladium, when, when we were first going in uh, at 7, they... I said, there was a guy who had a backwards black hat on, which is what I had on, and he was wearing the same exact Hammerfall hoodie that I was. Yeah. You know, on yep. the back that says, you know, rain in hell. And... <laughs> which I'm all about. And Serve in heaven or rain in hell. Yeah, no, I'll rain in hell. Thank you. Uh, so <laughs> I got you right here, John Milton. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I think that was probably his buddy, and he really thought, you know, it was me. But but the thing is, the other guy was a very, you know, heavy set fellow. Um, it's hard to tell when you're in a dark room. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, like, the guy was clearly not someone who would be, I mean, let's just say it, someone standing next to you and holding your hand. Do, do you get what I'm saying? You know, and, and yeah. I mean, and you're there wearing, I mean, like, <laughs> can I say it? Can I, can I? Get, yeah, I guess right. you can say it. That's I mean, fine. whatever. I make you do it anyway. <laughs> oh yeah. You're totally in control of my <laughs> wardrobe choices. Well, some days. I, I asked you to help me pick out something to wear and you picked out something I didn't like. So I changed my mind. <laughs> I completely switched it around. But this dress, not by actually, much. So, I have worn the same dress to actually when we went to Kiss in Philadelphia. Yes, uh, it was the same one. Right. But it's, it was a very short dress. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, well, this is what I was gonna say. <laughs> really I mean, tall leather boots. Right, and I mean, you know, your ass is like. Fra- I, I mean, there's nothing left of the imagination. Like, 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 <laughs> like. There's you're you're seeing skin, you know, and, and like. That and and again and your legs. Oh, anyway, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I want I want to make this clear. The 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 skirt that I picked out for you <laughs> was not as short as what you ended up wearing. Would you? Yeah. Agree? yeah. Well, th- that's fine. I don't have a problem dressing like that. No, I I know, but <laughs> I just don't want to seem like a, like a jerk here. Like. <laughs> no, I actually love it. I mean, I work hard for this body. Do, oh right? God, do you? <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, all right. So aside from me being the luckiest man alive. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. So anyway, I was just surprised that he would have confused me. I mean, I'm not surprised, but then I'm kind of surprised. Besides the point. So I don't think like let, let's let's get back on track because my mind is just going to all kinds of places. You're getting too excited. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Dragon Force probably played for about an hour. You know, they did a couple encores. That was great. We'll talk about that. But they played for about an hour. I was not surprised by that. I was kind of expecting it to be short because they are literally the candle that burns twice as bright. 
you know, they uh, play so fast, yes. and so intense that I don't think they could have sustained it for much longer. No, that that's the thing. Like you're just going to pass out and fall over. You'd have to have a meal in between. Like you'd have to have an intermission <laughs> or something because, and, and, and this drives me nuts because for years I have asked people who have went to go see, and I know I could have checked it out on YouTube by, at this time, but I've asked people who've, who've gone to see them, and they always say, oh, no, no, they don't actually play that fast. Herman Lee doesn't actually play that fast. They are full of shit. Oh, yeah, people. fucking right. <laughs> he totally did. He was blazing. I mean, like, yeah, I was expecting, like, shit to, to get set on fire. Like, I mean, he was just, man, like, he's playing so fast. People are fucking crazy who are saying that, that, that he doesn't. I mean, sure, I'm sure they use some software when they make their music, okay? But when they're live, they are killing it live. And there's plenty of guests and guitarists coming on, you know, to make sure that that sound is hitting. But Herman Lee is blazing. I mean, the only guy I've seen comparable would be like Chris Impelitary, as far as somebody that, like, played that fast. It's it's so amazing. Um, it almost makes me wonder if people who say that they don't play well live mm-hmm. just went to venues that had poor sound systems. Because That's there's so point. much arpeggiation going on that yeah. if you don't have like really precise instruments yeah. to amplify that noise, then you're not going to catch all the notes. Right. Yeah, I could believe that. I mean, again, the Palladium legendary stage. Uh, so, you know, the sound there is phenomenal. And, I mean, and we were like, what, I don't know, three, four rows. I mean, like, I mean, not that there's like rows at the ground of the Palladium. We, we were so close we, to the stage. Super close. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they had a, the lead singer had a gun. It was like, um, I think it was carbon dioxide, carbon mm-hmm. monoxide. Yeah, it's just blasting out smoke, yeah, high it, pressure smoke. <laughs> basically a smoke machine, but it yeah. looked like a gun. Right. Uh, we could feel that. He oh, was yeah. spraying the crowd with it. Yeah, and they were like blasting it out from the front of the stage too, like just on like these, you know, whatever. Not not the gun, but like actually like points that they set up where the smoke could blast out and it was an incredible i mean the light show everything about it like all the graphics that they're showing off coming off these arcade machines and everything um oh yeah and the insane. drum set had a giant dragon with these light up yeah eyes. the glowing red yeah, eyes oh, yeah awesome i mean this is how a metal show should be you know like it was <laughs> it was really really impressive but i am not and i have no complaints because you know like a, and, and 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 tell me if you disagree like there's so many times where I want to say that Dragon Force is the greatest metal band of all time. Why? Because again, they've hit that apex. Like I think this is as extreme as you can get metal to go. Um, but I can't say that because I can't listen to them all the time. Just because, like, like I, I can't. I, Who can take that amount of stimulation? Right. It's just going to drive you crazy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and there's not. They don't. They also don't have a ton of variety. Uh, even though they tried to bring in some some variety with their latest album. Um, so I, I can never really call them that. But at the same time, if I'm not going to call them my favorite band, I think they're the apex of metal. I mean, h- yeah. how, do you, how do you feel about that? No, I agree. It's such a, an intense experience when you mm-hmm. listen to an album uh, that it does kind of tire you out. Yeah. Uh, but the whole time you're listening to it, you're supercharged. Yeah, yeah, it's the greatest time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I think what you're saying about it being the apex of metal, it's hard for me to imagine anyone going faster, mm-hmm. more intense, or being better, because right. they are so great at songwriting yes. and even just performing the music itself. Yeah, yeah, incredible, you know, stage performance. But that's the thing. 
I don't think I'd want them to go for two hours because like I'd just be burned out. You'd, you'd have to give me like when the show stops, you'd have to give me a fucking sleeping bag. And I'd just lay down in the Palladium because I'd just be, you know, done. Yeah, or you just have to keep taking cocaine. I mean, one or the other. That's not a bad option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we could th- we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, so, I mean, give me your thoughts, like, on, on Dragon Force's performance overall. I feel like I've been talking quite a bit here. Um, but, you know, like, what did you think of, of that that stage show? What were your, like, favorite moments, perhaps? Favorite songs that they did? Um, I, They did the opening song for Reaching Into Infinity. Yeah, right? that was great. Yeah, yeah that um, was good. That actually is my favorite album from them. And I Same. think, yeah, I think that was probably my favorite song from the mm. whole set. Which, you're welcome to read the set list off. Yeah, it was Ashes of the Dawn. So, yeah, I'm actually reading from... This is like, I imagined, I or I imagine that the band touched this. Yeah, because it's actually got cues on there. Right. Like, when the streamers come out, when the confetti drops right. in. Yeah, I... Or the, I, the carbon dioxide Yeah, gun. the CO2, yeah. Uh, sparks. I mean, they've got the whole thing here. I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to get this framed. Um, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> get so, it fingerprinted. Yeah. Uh, so they did Highway to Oblivion. You know, they opened right up with that. Uh, Fury of the Storm. That's a good choice yeah, from their second awesome. album. Uh, the Last Dragonborn. The Last Dragonborn. <laughs> now, this is exciting for you because, uh, well, because... you love Skyrim and you spend most of your day. That's what you know. <laughs> no, go ahead. So I do love Skyrim. I yeah. first started playing it back when it came out years ago. Yeah. Um, but I I was only able to play it for like a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I want to say like four months ago, you finally bought it for me on Nintendo Switch. Yes, yes. And every free chance that I get, I That's am playing rocking. Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost at level seventy. <laughs> well, all right. Well, tell me about Skyrim. What makes Skyrim so great? Oh my God! So I mean, many things. You loved. You know, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild was great. I love Skyrim for the same reason, because it's an open world. It's mm-hmm. a very complete world. Um, there's so much storyline. Like, if it was just the same thing over and over again, mm-hmm. I don't think that I could do it. But there's a million side quests that you can go down, and they're all very different. Right. Uh, all the locations are unique. Um, all the characters have something unique to offer. Mm-hmm. So it really feels like... That's my alternate life. Yeah. In this magical land where dragons exist and yeah. I can be a mage. <laughs> right. I can destroy things with fire from my hands. Well, I mean, you're, like you're to the point you have houses and multiple. Oh, I have like, multiple houses. And you can design these houses. You, I mean, right down to the plates and cups. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost a millionaire. Like, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have legendary skills. Right. Um, yeah. I'm so powerful that I could kill a dragon single-handedly. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. So, so But it, that's why I love it. It's just, it's a complete world. It's a full world that you can get lost in. Um, it's it's like an alternate reality. Yeah. Oh, it's incredibly compelling. Like, mm-hmm. very, very rich world. Um, and, and it does feel empowering, too, because sure. you, you can feel, when, while you're playing it, like, how much more powerful you become than these other people. Yeah, Or yeah. whatever enemies you're facing. Yeah, it, it's ironic, because in many ways I feel like Skyrim is the apex of what a video game can do. You know, like, where it is... And I, I don't want to get lost on this, because this can turn into a massive philosophical and esoteric conversation. Um, but one of the reasons I think video games are so wonderful 
is this very thing is that that sense of empowerment that it can give um of course you want it to translate elsewhere but we'll just leave it at that you know like i i, I think that's a that's a wonderful thing yeah um, not and, to mention there's so much magic in this game mm-hmm. and it's real like it's right. such an accepted part of the culture that yes. people will talk to you about magic and they'll teach it to you and they'll ask you questions about it and like i i just love that i love that you can actually use the magic and mm-hmm. that it's something that's not taboo yeah and the world like just again it just accepts it and is built around like okay there might be people that you know practice this sort of shit and you prepare for such yeah um, yeah and they talk about hauntings like it's a real thing ghosts mm-hmm. are a real thing draugr mm-hmm. dragons giant spiders you know like all of these fairy tale creatures that are actually real but it's like right. they've taken all of these the great parts of mythology and put it into a world yeah yeah and they're clearly pulling from a lot of different references you know like the nords are definitely like the vikings or whatever yeah there's a lot of that um what would you say i mean well the storyline's great too uh i mean i'm i you know i've played it as well i'm playing it as well uh of course i joined the imperials but <laughs> and you're you're, you're only with the because rebels. they're in the seat of power well you know <laughs> i sympathize a lot more with the stormcloaks but i get it that that Ulfric stormcloaks are racist and he's also a tool for the altmeri dominion so. right right and the only thing that can defeat the the dominion is actually the empire but whatever that, that that's getting into massive subjects let me ask you this so which game do you think is better like breath of the wild or skyrim Ooh, hmm. tough one huh yeah yeah actually i think maybe skyrim is better yeah i love breath of the wild it's got a lot of similarities yeah um and sometimes while i'm playing skyrim i even push the buttons as if i were going to pull out the glider from, <laughs> yeah, breath, from of the breath of the wild yeah i wish you could do that but you yeah. can't <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think skyrim just has more variety to it um mm-hmm. yeah so there's there's things like when you're running around in the wild in breath of the wild Mm -hmm. uh any monsters you come across you have to fight them basically if you get close enough that's your only option right in skyrim you have the option to like shout and and calm the beast down or you can Mm -hmm. uh fast well you can't fast travel while enemies are nearby but you've got you've got more options to get away you don't have to like you don't always have to fight yeah yeah that is cool. Um, I mean, I would say, like, I agree with you. There's a lot more variety. Like, you get more variety of, like, character choices and all these different things. What, what, what your main character right now? What race? <laughs> uh, I'm an elf. I'm a wood elf. Just a wood elf. Okay, yeah. wood elf. Got it. Yeah. Mine's an Argonian. Um, you know, those lizard Jews. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I would love to be a Khajiit, but. <laughs> yeah, they're so cute. S- yeah, they are so cute. <laughs> um, the thing is, you know, where Breath of the Wild puts it over the top for me is I don't feel like you ever stress playing Breath of the Wild. Like, you're engaged in a massive story and an incredible history and all this amazing stuff going on, but... It's very calm. It's very it's, 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 it's such peaceful. a calm game. Yeah, it's a peaceful game. Um, and also, Breath of the Wild, partly due to its limited nature, or more limited nature compared to Skyrim, um, it... I feel like you don't experience, like... In Skyrim, I feel like I hear a lot of things over and over again. And that gets annoying after a while. Like, even when, like, the person following you and you want to trade with them, 
they'll say the same thing every time. Like, oh, I carry your burdens or let's trade then or you know, something <laughs> yeah. like that. As to where with Breath of the Wild, like you never really get that repeated thing. Yeah, well, that's just my problem because I'm kind of a kleptomaniac when I play. <laughs> I steal everything. <laughs> and then I carry too much and I have to ask my follower to be my pack mule. Yeah, I, I love <laughs> it. You're so fucking evil. It's so it's so hot. I, I, I play <laughs> all sides. Yeah. <laughs> You're such an egoist. Like, I don't worship the Daedra, but I'll serve them. Yeah, right. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> only until I can kill you. <laughs> no. Give me your powerful staff. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, all right, no, f- fair enough. I mean, an amazing game. Certainly a game you can get lost in, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was awesome to, to bring it full circle. It was awesome for, uh, uh, you know, for Dragon Force to, to do the whole song, Last of the Dragonborn. Yes. Uh, you know, from their latest album that, that is all about that. Uh, that. That's literally about Skyrim. And even on, on, you know, on stage, they were showing it off and everything. Um, yeah, you know, funny thing, like... That Dragon Force was one of the first things you and I connected on. It really was. Yeah, because you came over to my old place in New Hampshire, and I have my Dragon Force scarf, which I've had for 10, 12 years, you know, forever. Um, I think what happened was I told you that recently I had discovered this band Dragon Oh, Force, that's right. And then and I, I went and got my it. scarf. Yeah, you brought it out, and I was like, oh my god, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> well, it was amazing to me, because I've never met anybody, like I had barely ever met anybody that even knew who Dragon Force was. Let alone a woman. Uh, well, why, yes, let alone a woman. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it, it was really, like, that blew my mind about you. And and I remember that was one of the first things where I was like, oh, i got to be friends with this gal. Uh, you know, and yeah. well, anyway, the rest is history. The rest is history, as they say. Um, so let's go down the rest of their, their, so they, they did last Dragonborn. We got, we got lost on that one. Um, you, you've always had amazing tastes in music. It's, Thank it's, you. Yeah. It's really <laughs> something. Um, Ashes of the Dawn, you mentioned that mm-hmm. from Reaching Into Infinity, uh, Heart Demolition. Um, then they did this funny, like they brought out a banjo and everything, and they did this whole thing around Farm Simulator. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was that was really great. <laughs> that was a good time. Yeah. Uh, then they did Black Fire. Black Fire. Yeah. Uh, and they did Cry Thunder, um, Remembrance Day. Then they did Valley of the Damned. I was amazed they did two songs from their first album, which because again, most people didn't know Dragon Force until their third album. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for them to go back like that, I, I thought that was great. In the U.S., I mean, in, in Europe, everybody knew who the fuck they were. But, right. Well, uh, Europe's a totally different world. Yes. For, for metal. Yes. Yeah, it's a proper one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, they have actual taste, unlike fucking Americans. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, so then they, they stopped. They went for their, uh, you know, like, they were like, oh, you know, good night, you know, Worcester and everything. And. Um, but you knew they were going to do a couple of encores. Now that's just like a thing. Like every band does it, whether people chant or not. But I was amazed. And I think they Everybody were as well. Everybody was chanting. They were chanting, you know, Dragon Force, Dragon Force. I mean, and it was fucking loud. People stomping their feet. Like this was, this was one of the biggest calls I'd ever heard in my concert going history for a band to get their asses back out on the stage. I know. I was yelling as loud as I could. Oh, you were, I'm yeah. amazed that I didn't lose my voice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, it, it was loud. It was awesome. Uh, and, they, and I know the band, like even they said it, they couldn't believe it, like just how, how, how crazy it was. They also said that they had to play through the fire and the flames because they or would they get, get lynched. lynched. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is probably true. I knew yep. they were going to do that. Uh, but they ended up actually doing two songs for the encore. Um, and they did uh, My Heart Will Go On. 
the Celine Dion cover, which is from Extreme Power Metal, their most recent album. Um, and that was great. Like, that that, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was glad that they did that, because everybody can sing along with that song, because everybody knows that song. Yeah, yeah, we're all singing along. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then they did Through the Fire and the Flames, and of course everybody just, you know, goes nuts, and whatever, people were passing out and everything. I, actually, I was amazed. There was a fucking mosh pit in the Palladium. I don't think I've ever seen that. As many times yeah. as we've been to the Palladium, I don't think I've ever seen a mosh pit going on. But no. they had one. And we were pretty close to it. Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of getting ready. Like, I stood on the other side of you, because if it was going to get bumping that way, you know. Anyway. <laughs> well, uh, you you are a very good wall thank <laughs> for you. people to run into. <laughs> yes, yes, I have been called that many times. Uh, <laughs> who ordered the wall? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so um, amazing performance. You know, and again, I have no complaints about it being like their set being only an hour because I couldn't take two hours. You know? Yeah, and, and there are so many bands, so much variety. What was your favorite band of the night? I mean... Well, obviously Dragon Force. Right, outside of them. Um, Well, it, it'd probably go in reverse order of the way that they played. Yeah. I think it'd be Dragon Force, then Firewind, then Visions of Atlantis, then Seven Spires. Yeah, I would, and I love Firewind. But I, because Gus G is just amazing, but I'd probably invert that middle. Like I, I thought Visions of Atlantis, I just love the guts that they had and like the performance, not, not that the stage looked that, I mean, they did a good job with the stage and the video wall and everything, but like, you know, just the, the whole act that they put on, I thought was, that's so rare. Um, I really, really liked that. Uh, and the whole band was like consistent with it. It wasn't just the person up front. You know, like when we saw Battle Beast, like you have, um, what's her name, Nura, you know, the lead singer. Like she'll be wearing like a Viking outfit and it's really cool and everything. But the rest of the band is just kind of dressed in, you know. And so, but this, the whole band was in sync with the matter. Like I, I, I thought that was, that was awesome. Yeah, well, the the lead male singer for that band had an amazing Incredible voice. range. Yeah, yeah, it was almost like um, the lead singer of Camelot. Yeah, That's yeah. what it reminded me of. Yeah, like uh, uh, Tommy there. Yeah, that, amazing. Agreed. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so I mean, what a, what a night of metal. I mean, and get it that many bands. It was spectacular. It was spectacular. You're totally right. Even the next day, I still felt good about it. I was <laughs> like, I wish we were still at the concert. That you, was yeah, so you said fun. that. <laughs> oh, you were glowing. Uh-huh. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, yeah, amazing, amazing night. So we, we share all of this. Basically, any of these bands you could really enjoy uh, going to see. But, like, I wanted to talk about it because I've talked about Dragon Force every time a new album has come out. And many have come out over the 10 years of Sovereign Text history. Um, you know, and, and so, and I, but I wanted to say and let people know, oh, no, they're just as intense live as they are on their album. They're really playing. This isn't bullshit, you know, and I, I wanted to make that abundantly clear. Um, because, you know, outside of KISS, they're one of the bands that I consider it a, you know, like it's demanded of me to talk about them when there's something to talk about. Uh, so, yeah, and, and of course, I mean, it's just, again, it's one of the very first things you and I connected about, so it was fun to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, great night. Anything else you want to talk about on that from, from that night? No, it was just, it was spectacular. Yeah. I hope we get to do that again soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll be engaging in some uh, van life coming up, and maybe we'll hit some concerts as we're going around, depending what's going on. We're going to have to be checking on the regular for concerts, because especially when we head out west, 
mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us to see some major acts performing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I already saw some tours that I was intrigued by. Um, like Wasp is doing a North American tour for the first time in like probably almost 20 years. Wow. Um, you know, that's that's intriguing to me. There, there's some others because there's a lot of tours. Dragon Force being one example, there were a lot of tours that got kind of backed off or backed up, you know, by a couple of years because of 2020 and all that that was. Because um, we were originally going to see Rammstein. We were supposed to see Beast in Black. There were, there were a lot of bands we were supposed to catch in 2020 that just never happened. Yeah, it's such a shame. And yeah. they even talked about it at the concert. They said, right. you know, we haven't been able to do this for the last two years or whatever. Yeah. And can I just say, it feels like the pandemic, or whatever that was, the mass psychosis that was the pandemic, mm-hmm. feels like it's officially over now. Nobody's asking for vaccine cards. Nobody's asking for masks. They yeah. recommend it. And sometimes you'll see people wearing them, but... Just all of the restrictions that were going on for yeah. the longest time, there's no evidence of that anymore. Yeah, I mean, when I initially bought the tickets for Dragon Force, and this was months and months and months and months ago. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> this is a long time coming. I almost forgot that it was coming up. Um, and when I bought it, like <laughs> the, the tickets actually said, you know, make sure you bring your vaccine card, make sure you bring all of that. Um, but when we went there, like nobody's wearing, almost nobody's wearing masks. I mean, you could count the people on your hand who were, um, and of course I want people to do whatever makes them comfortable. Uh, but there were no checks on like, you know, for vaccination cards, n- nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, no. And Massachusetts is as status as it fucking gets, uh, next to maybe California, um, yeah, or New when, York. Yeah, when we were there in, on Halloween, yeah. um, we had to wear masks everywhere we went. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was... Anyway, I agree with you. Like, it really feels like, okay, the, this shit's, at least in the United States, is effectively done. Um, you know, there, there was there was just nothing like that. Uh, or, you know, there, there were no restrictions. Um, I mean, in anywhere we went in Massachusetts, there were no restrictions. Which, even a couple months ago, that wasn't the case. Because, uh, you know, we have to travel there, you know, often enough. Or, you know... Anyway, so... Yeah, we have friends there. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So we go sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, which is good news because, again, we plan on taking a road trip across the entire country, uh, or at least, you know, 48 of the states we intend uh, to hit. And so do you want to, you want to get in talking about that? We've got, we've yeah. got subjects we're going to get into later. We've got some, and, and we're going to review some movies. We're just having fun with this episode you know it's good to have i had I had a couple serious ones come out recently and i'm like yeah let's do an episode let's get ellen on let's have some fun you know when i show up here we just talk about fun things that's right we have a good time so and we're gonna do that um anyway so this has come up on other podcasts i've recently been on the vanu podcast a couple times it was talked about there um though at least one of those appearances has been in the sovereign tech feed um as well um but yeah, uh, you know, Ellen and I, you and I, Ellen. <laughs> yes, you and I, Brian. Yeah. We, uh, how, how did this start? <laughs> like, you know, I'm trying to think of it. I, it was months and months ago, but yes. how did it start? Yeah, we've been talking about this for a while, and I keep wondering how it originated. Yeah. It was, it was very mutual, but right. I think, I think originally it might have been my suggestion. Yes. I want to say. Yes. Um. Uh, 
Because we both love traveling. Yes. And at the time we were considering, because we're renting now, but we wanted to move maybe mm-hmm. uh, to a more permanent place. Right. And I think it was like shortly after I started working at my contract position um, at the at the biotech facility that I was working at. And um, it was a very like steady job. The hours were long. Yeah. Um, I wasn't having the greatest time there. Right. So, you know, that was part of what motivated me to, to push this. But also, like, we don't have a mortgage. We yeah. don't have any children. Yep. Uh, there's nothing that's tying us to this location. No, right. And it's a really great opportunity, especially considering, like, if I am going to settle down and uh, really dig into a career, yeah. then I want to take this chance while we still have the opportunity. Right. You know, I don't want it to pass us by. So we kind of started talking about it, like what it would look like. Um, eventually, we decided that we were going to buy a camper van. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we, yeah, that that's pretty much how I remember it, too. Like at one point, you know, it, it just kind of be it kind of became because like your contract was going to end, which it has ended. Uh, mm-hmm. It ended in March, um, and we're like, yeah, let, let, you know, let's let's just go do it. And you know, my work is remote. I, like I can do what I do from anywhere, uh, so that's that's not a problem. You know, and it's I've been that way for de- you know a decade now, over a decade. Um, yeah, I remember it basically happening like that, and. I think with COVID, we kind of felt as well, like, okay, we don't know where the best place to like even be is right now. Yeah. And so we were wanting to be pretty agile. And admittedly, in my opinion, right now, like in April of 2022, I've never been like an economic alarmist of any kind, but I think things are really bad. And it's not just gas prices and it's not, I mean, it is relative to supply chain and whatever, but I think a lot of pipers are going to have to get paid. They're going to get paid, but it's going to be ugly. Uh, And I think being very agile right now, you know, and being very, uh, shall we say, lightweight or not tied down is uh, to many a person's benefit. You know, I'm not saying that this is what you have to do. But I'm just saying it is a certainly a survival strategy in the present economic political climate that we live in. Um, we were planning on this long before I felt that way, uh, but I'm definitely feeling that right now. Like I, I think things are are ugly. You know, yeah, inflation. Have, I'll go down the list. Go ahead. Sorry, things have ramped up a lot since since COVID started. Right. I mean, that's when. People started buying toilet paper off the shelves. Yeah. Um, things were hard to find in grocery stores. Yeah. And at the time, that was just a supply chain issue. Right. Um, so we were, like, stocking up on canned food. Mm-hmm. And we still have a little stockpile, but mm-hmm. it's not like we ever really needed it. You know, things were still there for us. Right. Um, it's just recently, especially since the war in Ukraine started, that, like, yeah. gas prices have gotten ridiculously expensive well, that's another part of it yeah yeah uh so like and, and also the housing market is crazy yes. like the cost for supplies to build houses mm-hmm. are like 150 percent of what they were mm-hmm. even just a few years ago mm-hmm. um yeah so everything is becoming more expensive um 
Yeah, it's a good time to not have a lot to take care of. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of people, and, and you've certainly encountered it, where a lot of people have, you know, said to you, how are you doing this? Like, what, you know, and, and they always have 10 billion questions or critiques or whatever. Yeah, mostly people, I think, are... Like, they could never imagine themselves doing it because it's a risky thing to do. Sure. To give up on your your stable home life right. and to take to the road. And, like, you only have yourself and your skills and your wits to yeah. rely on. And I feel confident in my ability. And I know you do, too. Sure. Um, but partially that's because we've both had to do this before independently. Yes. Um. And you, you and I both have survived some really sketchy situations. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. We're survivors, straight up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think most people have had that experience. So right. they don't even imagine that they could do something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think another part of it, you know, is that for a lot of people, because, yeah, you've got yourself, and but then you have your partner. And I think most people are either consciously or unconsciously terrified. Oh, yeah. Spending that much time with their partner. But that's uh -huh. not a problem with van life. That's a problem with your relationship. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> well, if there's one thing that the lockdowns taught people is that mm -hmm. their relationships are not as good as they thought they were. Oh, yes. Because there's so many people that are saying like, oh, I, I can't spend that much time with my spouse yep. or my family. Yeah. But you and I, like, we're just so similar Yes. We, we get along so easy. We just flow together. We do. There's, we really do. There's no need for us to ever spend time apart. Yeah. And it's not like I need you there with me all the time. Right. I'm not, we're not attached at the hip, you know, like we still do our separate things, but, yep. but we just love each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the other part that I think a lot of people forget, like we've been together, you know, for three years, over three years now, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's over three years. Yeah, I it, mean, we... Our four-year anniversary is going to be coming up soon. Yeah, so, you know, like, I, I think a lot of people... Because the thing is, we don't hang out with a lot of people. And a lot of people are always like, are you sure you want to... You know, it's like, we've been together forever. <laughs> you know, we've been together for years. Like, it's not like, uh, you know, oh, we met last month and we're going, you know, van lifing or something. Yeah, no, you I know? mean, even during the lockdowns, when I was taking college courses right. from like we're I was together all the time here 24 7 with you because you work from home too right and exactly. that we were totally fine oh it's wonderful yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean and it's great having you home all the time again like i i just i i love it um yeah i love it too yeah yeah and so you know i get it uh and we are you know to just to just to get into more of like what we what our plan is um so we are starting this in uh early may is the plan, you know, I mean, you always got to be nimble on these things, but yep, we're but, trying to get all of the final pieces in place right now. Right. And we've decided to go with a, we're not doing an RV. We're doing a van, a, like a van that, that is being professionally converted, you know, and like adapted and everything. Um, yeah, I would have loved to have done the conversion ourselves, but yeah. it would have been twice as expensive and taken twice as, lo twice as long. Exactly. So we just, Went with a company that does prefabricated, um, they, they do the whole thing in-house. Yeah, we're rocking a Ford Transit. I don't mind saying that. Um, and, you know, they're, they're converting it and whatever. And now the reason we're going with a van, and we talked about this. I mean, again, we've been planning this for months. And, like, everything gets overanalyzed. Yeah, this <laughs> everything. isn't, we're not flying by the seat of our pants here. No. This is an impulsive decision. No, the farthest <laughs> from. The farthest from. Uh, no, this is a well-planned out. 
yes uh, benchmark in our lives yes exactly um and so you know and we and we've really gone over it many times like the reason i yes we've been planning this for months the reason we haven't talked about it is because if at any point we decided okay we actually don't want to do it um you know, we, we didn't want to have to retract anything. You yeah, know? yeah. And we could still change our minds. We but could, yeah. at this point, we're really, like, closing in on yes. on everything being completed. Right. Um, but, yeah, it was it was still kind of speculative for a right. few months. Like, we were, we were getting our stuff together, getting all mm-hmm. of our ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're finally making the, the moves to do it. Yeah. And it, it's not just talk at this point. No, we're no, no, really no. This is, this is happening. Um, I mean, we're we're finishing up conversation around the in choice around the toilet uh, this morning, you know, as in like what toilet are we going to use? Are we going to get um, anyway? And we'll, we'll talk about more details when we're on the road, you know, a lot a lot of, of, of what we'll be doing. Um, but again, we decided to go with a van and not an RV because a van you can park anywhere yeah unlike a school bus or yeah, an rv exactly um like one of the things that highlighted this for us was when we went to niagara falls in september uh like you could park in the park for, you know like all night long you know and, and arguably for days if, if you wanted if you can uh, fit into a regular parking exactly spot. they specifically said it can't be an rv you know mm-hmm. that that can park there and we kind of came to the realization okay this is a thing like in a lot of places yeah. where it makes sense for us to park and that we want to see and visit um, so having a van is i mean it gives us a degree of like you're a little more incognito you know you're or yeah you're like I like the nimbleness of it. Yeah, exactly. It's a little more flexible. Like right. You can take it to more places. Um, right. I don't think you have to be as concerned about driving it long distances. Yeah. And also, I mean, then it's a car because it's an investment, you know, yeah. but then it's, it's, it's a vehicle that you can use somewhat regularly, even sure. if we're not on the road, you know, even if we're not doing van lifing or whatever. Um, but it'd still make a great camper. If right. If we just want to go camping for the weekend. Somewhere. Precisely. Precisely. So I, I think there's just a ton of advantages to using a van. Um, granted, if there's any more than just me, you, and the cat, you know, and, and Captain, <laughs> um, which we've been training him on getting used to being on the road. Oh, yeah. That's been a, an he adventure in it. itself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he's doing great. He's doing great. You know, get him high and he's, you know, on CBD and he's doing wonderful. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, if it was any, if we had any more people, you know, kids or whatever, like, yeah, we'd probably have to go with an RV. I, I cannot imagine a van, you know, working with, working well for more than two people. Yeah, um, it'd get really crowded in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, so so that that's the plan, and we are going to be doing, like I said, we plan on doing pretty much forty-eight states. We're going to uh, be northerly, at, you know, in the summer. And then as temperatures get colder, we'll start swinging down southerly, you know, um, and and hitting all the states down there. Uh, So as far as, you know, I know a lot of people are probably wanting that are hearing this or probably want, oh, man, you know, let's connect when you come into my state or whatever, you know, and and we're totally down with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, We can, you know, hang out with your fans. Yeah, have meetups or whatever, you know. people that are out there that want to meet us. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Um, But, you know, that's the other thing. You've got a great schedule laid out. You have, a, you have an awesome spreadsheet. Yep, I've got a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> Look out, world. Yeah. <laughs> I've got are, it all planned out. You are dangerous with those spreadsheets. Um, oh, man, <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I go crazy about spreadsheets. That's so great. 
you got your little micro PC and I just see you there and like, and you're in Libra office with the spreadsheets and going nuts. <laughs> That's so great. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we'll figure it, but, but, you know, as, as well as we plan out, obviously, you know, we might be stuck in Michigan longer than we planned, or we might be stuck in, you know, Iowa longer than we planned or something like that, or New yeah. Mexico, who knows? Or we might extend our Southern visit so that we don't have to drive back up North in the cold months of spring. Yeah. I mean, even doing it for a year is a very loose time frame. Yes. You know, because there's really nothing, you know, like we don't, I mean, we plan on coming back to New Hampshire. Like, I, I, you know, for me, New Hampshire is the most beautiful place on the planet. You know, you don't have to agree with that statement, but well, like, but that's, I do. Well, there you go. So <laughs> there's I, I, everything here, everything I possibly could want. Yes, exactly. And I mean, I love it here. It's the reason I've been here for ten years, over ten years now. Um, so same. This right. has been my home since 2013. Yeah, exactly. For me, 2011. Um, so you know, I I expect to come back, but yeah, there's no rush. <laughs> You know, like, like that, that's really, uh, but anyway, so yeah. What, like what, what, what's your favorite state, uh, or or what, like, what are you looking forward to the most on this one? For me, it's New Mexico. It's, it's tough. I mean, there's so many natural, uh, like phenomena that I want to see, like, uh, the, you know, the geodesic lake Mm -hmm. in Yellowstone. Yeah, very Yellowstone's exciting. gonna be great. Yeah, uh, the rainforest in Oregon. I'm mm-hmm. very excited for that. Yep. Um, yeah, there's so much like the Southwest that I want to see. I'm yeah. excited to see. Um, I know this is probably gonna sound crazy to you, but like, there's lots of California that I want to see. Right. Um, there's the desert. I've never been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great Salt Plains. Um, the crazy rock formations like the Buttes. Sure. Of uh. What, what is it, Utah, I think? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's a lot, like, even around the Grand Canyon. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's so many state parks in that area. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we're going to be recording. Um, you know, we'll record episodes from all these locations. Uh, again, I have my whole setup. You know, it's all very pocketable. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, so actually... If anything, there's going to be like a ton more content because a lot of what makes up the day-to-day life, you know, um, in in a modern 21st century home, we're not going to be dealing with, you know. Yeah, no, actually, living in this house that mm-hmm. we live in now, a lot of my time is spent house maintenance. Yeah, cleaning and yeah. and cooking and yeah. like just taking care of because we have so much stuff. Right. There's so much space here. Yeah, and homemaking could really be a full time job for me, but it's not going to be that. I'm going to be writing the newsletter. Exactly, bingo. Yes, that is going to be another exciting thing that's coming, and we will certainly, you know, be keeping everybody posted on that. In fact, it's only waiting on me. I've, <laughs> I've got to finish up my sections, you know. But this is so. I guess we could talk a little bit about it uh, yeah, about sure. the newsletter. So it is the Sovereign Technica newsletter. Um, we are using Substack as the uh, the backbone of it. Um, it, there will be a so correct me if I'm wrong. There's a free version and a pay for version. Yes, yeah, there'll be multiple payment tiers, mm-hmm. so you can choose how much you want to pay monthly. But right. I highly recommend that because there's going to be a lot more awesome content for people who are paying as opposed to the free users. You'll still get great stories. Yeah. As a free user, but um, as a paid subscriber, you'll have access to so much more 
um, you'll even be able to contribute to the newsletter. Yes, if you want to. we definitely want that. Um, that's something I've always wanted because I know the Sovereign Tech listeners are just so fucking brilliant because I've met you people and talked with many of you and oh man, it just excites me so much. You know the the, the you know having having that 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 people can get their voices heard in that way. Um, I think it's wonderful. Uh, it's one of my favorite things about the like the live Q and A's that we do on Patreon. Um, is when people get to come on and talk, and I mean, just the greatest ideas, greatest concepts get get discussed. I yeah, that's so much fun. Yeah, and I love being to, you know, being able to pull from that pool of creativity, mm-hmm. uh, and to to be able to share s- such great and sometimes novel ideas with an entire audience. Yeah, I mean, and we're going to be covering a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff. You know, science, history. I mean, you've got. I've seen it. You've got this thing loaded. You know, I did a newsletter. <laughs> years ago or like in 2018 i think was the last time i had done it or maybe yeah something like that um but this is so much more and i'm so excited yeah i might have gone overboard but i think it's going to be really worthwhile and i think it's going to hopefully encourage people to to want to donate because we're putting in so much work yes um and i'm i'm doing a lot of the writing you're going to be doing a couple sections here and there yeah uh, but yeah, mostly it's going to be that that's my main gig yeah. while we're on the road. Right. That well, this, this is what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, th- this is going live before we are on the road. Um, Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it's waiting on me. So and, but, like I'm going to be doing short fiction again, you know, and I know a lot of people love that. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you write. Because you know I write erotic shit. Like, that's, <laughs> that's all you write is just sexy stories. That's all I can do. <laughs> so, um, well, besides your Android book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did write something serious and technical. I, I, I have done that on occasion. And I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've guest written on other publications. And that's been serious. I, I can do it. I can do it without mm-hmm. the sexy. But why? <laughs> it's <laughs> so, so much more fun with the sexy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you're going to be getting that. That'll be part of the paid tier, correct? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is this is really exciting. And, again, a major part of it is you, scientist, you know, Ellen, sovereign, doing, you know, doing your own research. Yes. Like, and this is what's so key about it. This isn't just curation. Curation's a part of it. But you are going to be, you know, like bringing on original research, original theories, um, like there's there's hardcore value here. I'll be making connections. So if I if I'm featuring a story from mm-hmm. another website, let's say like like Gizmodo, yeah, um, I'm not just going to be saying here's a cool article that I think you might like to read. Right. I'm also going to be doing a write up surrounding the topic, yes. and I might even be referencing other articles as well. Exactly. Or like if you want more scho- scholarly information mm-hmm. look to this resource yeah yeah and but you'll also be bringing in i you know like again your own theories like what is this how does this, what does this mean how does this applied how is this you know like what what is this going to do in the future or etc like yeah th- this is very original stuff yes there's some curation but like there's a lot of originality going into this um because last well anyway we'll, we'll just leave it at that uh, <laughs> what so, were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say the last thing, you know, people need is just like another, I mean, cause that's kind of what I did, you know, other than my, my short fiction, which is probably why maybe I've been told that was the most popular. Like that was the part that everybody loved Yes, about it was. my original newsletter. 
Um, but a lot of times I was kind of curating. I mean, I'd give commentary, but a lot of times I was curating, uh, you know, things. And it's just, it's not going to be just that. Like, that's that's not, you know. There's so the la- much. I don't think the world needs that, you yeah. know. Uh, I mean, the world does need some curation because there's just so much shit on the internet. And I mean that literally. Uh, But at the same time, I don't want it to be just that, you know, go ahead. Yeah. That's, that's actually what most newsletters that I've looked into do is just they'll link to an article. They'll give you a brief little snippet or a hook line or, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, but that's it. And they might write an article that's like five or six paragraphs about something that's happened in their life. Yeah. But this newsletter is going to be much more than that. Right. And I'm sure, again, there'll be, you know, as we're exploring, you know, while we're van lifing around the country, um, I mean, there's going to be things that we get inspired by and that like will require our own research. Cause I, I plan on going to some weird places, you know, and checking out some, some odd shit, you know, cause there's plenty of it in this country. Yeah. Uh, and you know, okay. Like, well, where does that through the lens of sovereign tech, you know, what does this mean? And, and I, I, th- I think there's something, there's something there. So, well, I'm really looking forward to working with you on creating this newsletter. Yeah. More like I'm working with you, <laughs> but, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- this is incredibly exciting and I, and I know you're, well, I've already read so much of what you did and I'm just like, oh my God, like, you know, I, I'd be, all, I'd be all over this if I wasn't, you know, like a, a co-conspirator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, Anyway, so that's a major thing that you're doing, uh, you know, while, while we're on the road. Um, and that is a, you know, kind of a side benefit of being on this, on this, you know, journey. Yeah. And hopefully through the newsletter, our followers, our listeners, our subscribers can mm-hmm. actually be part of the journey with us because yeah. we're going to be sharing insights from our life on the road, right? Uh, travel locations that we've been to, what we really liked, what we didn't, yeah. uh, maybe even some photos. Yep. So it's, it's going to be somewhat interactive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and that gets into, so, and again, we'll, we'll share details and links and everything for when this is ready to go. Uh, and it, but it really won't be long from now. It can't be. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and, yeah. So something I want to bring up, you know, because I think a lot of people would ask, okay, all right, so you're comfortable with each other. So you can be in an, in, you know, in a tin can for a year together and you're all right. Um, and you got, you know, you talked about your toilet situation and kind of got that figured out and, and blah, 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 you know, but you're, there's going to be so many amenities perhaps that you don't, um, that you don't have. Uh, and, you know, the, the comment I want to make on that is when we were talking about like not renting anymore and like getting a place more permanent, like you and I, and, and I can edit this out if you don't want me to talk about it, but like you and I, like we were talking about fucking like going into the boondocks you know, <laughs> and having like a yurt or something like having an incredibly simplified life anyway. Yeah. We were looking at like cabin houses, prefabricated, right. um, almost like sheds. Yeah. But, <laughs> but a little more, um, you know, like they had some density to them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like two story or something like that, but there's, they're smaller or whatever. But my point being is you don't get it. Like we're not actually giving up anything. In many ways, this is how we want to live, you know, like not necessarily the traveling, but the more like not dealing with the 21st century home. Yeah, I think a lot of it for me is the simplification. Mm-hmm. 
it allows, first of all, it allows you to f- spend more time doing what you really love, what right. you feel passionate about. Right. And not so much um, just taking care of your stuff, you know, like the, the laundry and the vacuuming and the cooking and the cleaning of the toilets. Like, that just takes up so much time. And when I was working at uh, my last contract position, yeah. that was all that I had time for on the weekends. Right. Like, maybe we could squeeze in, like, a movie night or some video games. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, I was literally just doing maintenance. Yeah. And that was uh, really grinding on me because I felt like I was losing what I loved the most about myself. Right. And I wasn't able to pursue any of the artistic inclinations that I had. Um, But at least when simplifying your life, you you have time to do things like that. Um, and then secondly, but also important, um, I want to minimize the impact that we're having on the environment around yeah, us. Yeah. Like I want to live more in line with what we're naturally meant to, mm-hmm. um, and get more in touch with our roots again. Yeah. This is a big part of it. Um, I mean, on the flip side for me also, like you have less bills, I don't have to work as many hours, <laughs> you know, because yeah. like my work schedule for the past, especially few years has been nuts. Uh, and you know, so, so there's an advantage there and that, and this is what it ultimately comes down to. And you, you just hit it and I'm glad you got to it is it gives us the chance to think less materially and get in touch. Yeah. More with ourselves, you know, like, you know, our inner world, because we're not so concerned about maintaining the outer world. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, we'll, we'll be more in touch with our empathosphere. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Bringing up some, some Arthur C. Clarke's mysterious universe right there. <laughs> yeah. I just heard this word earlier today, oh, and I love it. I the <laughs> think it's perfect. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to put a pin on that because we'll, we might not get to that here, but we're going to talk. That's going to be a conversation that's going to come up. We've got some wild shit to talk about on Sovereign Tech in the near future. Uh, so and, and if actually if you're if you're already a member of Patreon, um, there's a, insane conversations happening. Literally insane. Yeah. You, you actually you came up to me the other day because you got done listening to the Wednesday Q&A and you just said, OK, we're talking about that now. <laughs> you yeah. know, you're just you know like, like, I know you've been... Ta- so, behind the scenes, to yes. me, um, you've been telling me for months that you want to start talking about some of your more crazy, uh, mystical ideas. Yes. And I, I know how significant it is to you, to you know, that aspect of life, the mm-hmm. spirituality, the mysticism. Mm-hmm. Um and it's been part of your life basically since you were a child. Yes. Um, and and like that's part of the reason that you went for your doctor of divinity. Oof. Uh, I'm we're gonna just, talk about that. We're gonna talk yeah, about that. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, I just know how significant it is to you, and I'm really proud of you for being brave enough to say these things and to not worry about losing your listeners. I'm also amazed <laughs> because. I just can't believe those words are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> That's someone saying them. It's not a bad thing. You know, yeah. I, I think what you're saying really speaks to me, at least. I don't know if it does to anyone else. I haven't lost a patron yet, and I can't believe that. Like, I'm blown away that that hasn't happened. So I'm guessing it resonates with them. But go ahead. But I'm I'm just so happy that you're finally following your heart and talking about something that is 
that central to who you are. Thank you. Like, I, I appreciate that. Uh, and, and I'm glad you, I'm particularly glad you said that because, well, I don't have to say it for one, <laughs> um, because I don't even know how to say it. You said it better than, than I think I could. Um, but like, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and that's, that's a thing that more than any other, and I mean it, any other single human on the planet, like, I mean, there's someone else who afterwards I've, I've shared some of these matters with, but like you've known some very deep things about me for years that you were the first person to ever know, you know, and, and like, like, so, um, yeah. So coming from you, thank you, you know, and, and, and it's actually part of what, you know, made us connect even more was I would say these things to you and you just ask more questions and just be like, oh, you know, tell me more, tell me more. Like you, you're yeah, like, I didn't for judge it. you. I, no. w- I wasn't, you know, right. skeptical. I just wanted to hear what you had to say. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Uh, but so far so good. <laughs> yeah. But that, but that's, that's the thing is I think these things are important now. Their time is now, even if I've hinted at them for a decade, even if, uh, you know, I could have talked about them previously or something like that, it doesn't really matter. The time for a lot of these things that I want to get into is right now. Uh, proven, provably, you know, more so than ever. And yeah, it's going to be exciting, you know, and living this way that we are going to be living is, in my opinion, the only way that somebody could even begin to be able to express their truth on these matters. Um and yeah. have the freedom to explore and expand and discuss. What, what do you got? Yeah, I, I actually think that there's some hor- historical precedents for that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, stories of like rabbis living in caves for seven years. And yeah. Coming out and, uh, you know, being ready to preach to the world right. about the truths that they discovered while they were there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well said. Um, so it it's going to be a journey for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who wants to come along and... Um, you know, if you find it's not the road you want to walk, that's okay. You know, and there's always going to be plenty of entertaining stuff too. Um, but yeah, so, so this is coming, you know, and do do you have anything else you want to bring up about van lifing? We can, we can discuss more, you know, as, as we're on it. Um, but yeah, I think it's just going to be an ongoing conversation because Mm -hmm. we are new to van lifing. We've never done this before. Right. Um, obviously we love camping. We love spending time outside. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've tested those waters, like, yeah. and we've talked about it. We even did a whole episode from a fucking lean-to yep. that we stayed in for, like, you know, like two, three days. <laughs> I mean, It was totally dark. You could hear the campfire cracking yeah. in the back. We were tucked in our sleeping bags. We've roughed it. We've slept <laughs> yeah. under the stars, you know? Like, I mean, we, we've done the whole thing. Multiple days in a row. Exactly. But uh, uh, even that, I don't think, is going to compare to this year-long journey. Right. Like, we really are going to be out of our element. Right. Yeah. And well, we'll share what we learned because I, yeah. we're gonna, you know, we're gonna learn. Like, it's a process of discovery. Yeah, as, as great as our planning may be, um, there's gonna be things that we'll probably have been wrong about or that we need to alter or whatever. Yeah, but, but we're yeah. both relatively handy people. We can yes. work on vehicles. Yes. Um, yeah, we've got survival skills. You know. Yeah. We we can figure it out. Like I know how to forage for food in the right. wild. You right. know how to wield a knife. I mean, we're all set. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and before anybody thinks we're going too crazy, I mean, we're still bringing our Nintendo Switches. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Don't worry, we're, we're going to have, like, a solar-powered charging station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some high-tech aspects to this, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> but it's very rugged high-tech, you know, the, the way tech should be. Um, none of this fragile shit. We're going to have internet. Yes, we'll have smartphones with us, you know. Maybe someday we can get rid of those. But, um, you know, like, there, there's still those aspects to it you know, uh, that are, that are part of the 21st century life as it were. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we, we can get into, you know, more of that as, as, as we experience it. Um, and who knows, you know, maybe, maybe at some point we'll just be like, yeah, fuck that shit too. I, I mean, I've joked many times, maybe at some point halfway through, we just finally say, you know what? And we pull the van over <laughs> and we just get out of the van and we just walk off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm done with this now. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever, whatever, you know, who knows how it's going to work out. Um, yeah, we could get tired of it after the first couple months and we just could. come back home. It's possible. That's entirely possible. But at least we always have. I mean, this is the thing. This is the other thing, too, because I've lived out of. I mean, when I first moved to New Hampshire, I lived out of a truck. Uh, you know, I lived out of a, a, a Ford Expedition, you know, and that's all I had. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll admit it. Like, I loved it. You know, like, <laughs> I, I really, really loved it. And the thing is, like, OK, yes, you're dependent upon you know, the, the, the petrol economy, right? You're, you're dependent upon petroleum. Yep, you're dependent on gasoline being there right. when you need it. Exactly. Uh, but at the same time, like most houses are too, <laughs> okay? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people today couldn't survive without heating oil. And let's not forget where our electricity originates from. Exactly. Coal-powered plants. That all comes from essentially the petrol economy. Yeah. But uh, so, but the thing is, like, when you have a car, to my mind, no matter what happens in your life, when you, and especially when you own the car flat out, you always have a home. You know, you always have somewhere where you can be. Cats going around. He'll always have a home too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that that's that's a really powerful thing that I think people uh, kind of like forget. <laughs> Boy, he's running. <laughs> um, he's just he's, up right well, now. Boy, he just jumped up. <laughs> Yeah. He just crawled up the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Um, anyway, so but but that's this is a really important thing is like and and I don't think people realize that like as long as I have a car, I always I have this just like this low level comfort. Yes. Um, that that I always have a roof over my head essentially. You know, it might not be the most comfortable, but it's always there. Uh, so and you can always run away with it. Right. If you exactly. Need to. Exactly. So if. You know, yeah, in two months, we want to come back. That's fine. We've got, you know, our homes on the road, our homes on wheels. It's okay, you know, and, and then we can figure out things from there. So, Yeah, anyway. we can just find a place to camp out until we figure out something more permanent. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Um, so, yeah, I think this is going to be... I'm so excited for this. I know you are, too. Yes, incredibly excited. Yeah. Now, you brought up something a little bit ago, and this is a subject you wanted to get into in this episode. So oh, you're just, pointing the finger now. Well, <laughs> just saying, you want yes. it something you wanted to, to, to get into. I am not doing this to, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm not bringing this up for, for like my ego in any way. Um, this is something you wanted to discuss. Yeah. And this is essentially, or a part of this is around my, so I always say I am Dr. Brian Sovereign. Which okay? you are. Which I am. Uh, in fact, if we look to the right, there's my Doctorate of Divinity. From the Universal Life Church, okay, <laughs> uh, it says Brian Sovereign on it. 
So I'm being accurate when I say Dr. Brian Sovereign. Um, and that's that's legally your title. Yes. Uh, and it is legally. It is legally, at least in the United States, federally, it is recognized that I am Dr. Brian Sovereign, or I am Brian Sovereign DD. Uh, and that was on the 1st of February, 2015, that, um, that I, I, I got this. And so in my entire run of Sovereign Tech, I did not have this Doctor of Divinity um, because the show started in 2012. But for a good chunk of it, I've had it and I've used it. Um, and uh, I've never, you know, I've always made it, or I feel I've always made it clear what the Doctor of Divinity was and everything around it. And most, like, I mean, my audience skews heavily libertarian slash anarchist. Um, and most libertarians, at least, have a very good idea of what the Universal Life Church is. Like, they know that story, because the guy that founded it, incredibly libertarian. Um, and anyway, I don't, you know, so I want to bring that up. I'm saying all that. You want to talk about it. Do you, do you have a way that you want to start this off, or do you want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I was thinking about this, because recently I lost a friend, and I won't say this was the entire reason, mm. but definitely it was the beginning of the end was that he, you know, I told him about your Doctor of Divinity. He yeah. probably Googled it and looked at an article for two seconds and yeah. then decided that you were a liar. Right. Uh, and that I was a liar. Um, but the fact of the matter is that this is a real thing. Yeah. And, like, again, you're not lying to anyone about nope. this. You've talked about it plenty of times over um, the years. And everyone, like, it's always been made fairly clear, like, what my purpose was behind it. Um, I've had plenty of people complain, including yourself. Uh, you know, they've done so, I would say, lovingly, you know, even though they may be annoyed. Because uh, I've had the great the great privilege of being around incredibly intelligent people in my life. Yeah, like you actually lived with a, a doctor. Yes. Uh, someone who studied to get their doctorate of biochemistry. Yeah. yeah which I is mean, a hard science. Right. Um, um, I also spent six years in college. You right. know, I, I worked really hard to get those two degrees that I have. And the first one, you know, I was... Um, I was on the dean's list. Mm -hmm. the, like, the school was writing articles about me because I was, like, the pioneer for their discovery program. Mm -hmm. You know, I was so into it. And, you know, I even, like, you know, single person, no family support. It was so important to me to get these degrees. I did whatever it took. Yes. To get it. Yes. And I care a lot about those degrees because they ensure for me uh, a certain amount of livelihood you know like anywhere i go i can be useful i have skills that i can apply people will pay for them you know like i i never have to worry about being employed yeah you have the titles and papers to to verify all of that you've earned them and yes you've spent years and years and years and, and plenty of debt yeah and on on like a, on a relationship standpoint like this is important to me because you know like not that anything's ever going to happen to me but, like, I want to know that you can survive on your own. I actually can't really fall in love, like, really in love with somebody unless they are capable of taking care of themselves. Like that's, Yeah, and that's, I'm the same way. Right. That's something that's very important to me. Uh, now, if I'm in a relationship with somebody for years and something tragic happens and they can't take care of themselves or something like that, I'm sticking by my mate. You're the you most know? understanding, caring, empathetic person. Like, you, I, I know you would. Yeah, thank you. 
and I know you do you'd be the same way so yes. I just I don't want to confuse that okay um, you know or make it sound like I'm heartless or something because it's not that I'm just saying like at, at the onset I don't want there to be a that kind of power exchange or that kind of power dynamic you know yeah like right. I want to be with someone that is you know uh, uh, mind body and equal you know and 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 and, and even beyond that in a way um, and so it was very important to me you know that you had that, that you were able to do this you know and and that because from to my mind what that does is it ins- it's your dream and that's most important to me but also it ensures your survival yeah in the world that we live in that's very important okay yeah so you're bringing that up and yeah like you said I've been with PhDs um, I've been surrounded by people who are doing some of the most important and incredible research on the planet and they have considered me friends and you know and these are people who have held me and I've held them at incredible levels of trust um, they all knew what I was doing like they were fully aware these are people who blood sweat and tears sleepless nights crying you know like like going to Dartmouth and whatever incredible other incredible institutions dealing with whatever lab situations that they had to deal with all that stuff knew exactly what I was doing when I got my doctorate of divinity and at times would lovingly chide and say like I can't believe it I spent you know eight years or I spent whatever amount of time you know to get my PhD and you go online and you get your doctorate of divinity you know in in no time um you know, and, 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 and it would kind of, because I would, because I flaunt it, right? Because I say I'm Dr. Brian Sovereign. You do, yep. Yeah, so I so I flaunt it. and It's and, your right to do so, though. Sure. You know, is it the same thing? Is my doctorate of divinity the same thing at the same level of what other people did to earn their PhDs and everything else? Absolutely not. Like, not really. You know, like getting that piece of paper, and we'll talk more about that piece of paper. You know, I, I didn't... <laughs> In ways, I've put in that work, okay? Like, a Doctor of Divinity is a theological, you know, uh, a title. Yeah, okay? so for anything that's in the hard sciences, you actually have to go to a university, an educational institution, right. and study and go through their hoops right. in order to get the degree. Right. But for something that's, like, personal, you know, like arts, something creative, mm-hmm. something that's spiritual or mystical, like, mm-hmm. there's no... It, you don't need to go to university to learn these things. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it's all subjective. And well, it's, it's phenomenal, f- phenomenological. Yeah, a lot like, of it. there might yeah. be techniques to arts that you have to learn that mm-hmm. might be, like, pseudoscientific or whatever. Sure. But none of that's real. It's yeah. all just, you know, it's... And anyway, what I'm trying to say is that what you went... What you got your doctorate for. Yeah. Your doctor of divinity. Yeah. That's something that's incredibly personal. That's something that is a passion project. It's not so much... It, it's it's for the title alone. Yeah. It's not for making more money. It's yeah. not for improving your career. Well, let, yeah, exactly. Now, now let, me, let me add on that, and this includes you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I want to speak for you. But all of those people... PhDs or otherwise professionals in, in medicine, you know, people that, that normally get, you know, these high titles due to, you know, collegiate uh, 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 actions, whatever. All of them said, oh, yeah, like, OK, you didn't go to you didn't go to university, but, you know, religion better than anybody alive, you know, or, or you know, you, or, you know, this stuff, you know, like so fucking well, you absolutely deserve that, you know, like 
people like joked that you know they had to go through years to achieve this thing but at the same time those same people were like yeah but you have the knowledge it's not like you just didn't go to school you know yeah but it's not like you don't know you know better than anyone or you know as well as anyone i should say um well i think so part of why i wanted to bring this up uh, the person that i mentioned the ex-friend they said that um it was insulting to people who had real doctors we're going deep cuts all right (laughs) Uh, well i just want to address this yeah sure because i don't want other people to get confused yeah get confused uh, mm. proceed on the mistaken impression that mm. the only way that you can get a doctor of divinity is by going to school or doing some astronomical, uh, you know, feats for the church. Right. You know, like you don't have to do that to get the title. All you have to do legally is to, to buy it. Yeah. Well, y- yes. Um, and you can talk more about that process if you want to. Sure. Um, I'm just saying that this this is a totally legitimate thing. Um, yeah. And it might upset some people because, you know, you're attacking their precious institutions or whatever. But the people that you've spent your life around over the last 10 years, um, they're, you know, more libertarian anarchist types. They probably don't care as much. No, they, they don't. Um, because, like, people who come from that sphere understand these institutions are going to do whatever they can to convince you that they have it. You know, they have the um, the supreme hold on all of knowledge in the world and they right. can grant to you titles and they can tell you if you're good enough. But that's, you know, people who are in the know, they know that education is a personal responsibility and it doesn't matter what your title is. Yeah, well, I mean, Isaac Asimov, I think, said it best when he said the only real education is self-education, you know. And we, we, we need to break into this. We need to talk about this, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad you're bringing it up. And this is good because we can reference it to people and say, you know, well, this is the reality of the situation or whatever, you know, again, so there isn't confusion. Um, part of the reason I got this, all right, so there are a few reasons that I went for this, okay, Um one of them is, was literally to make fun of the institutions. You know, like I did this to make mockery uh, of, because, you know, like... Well, they're the ones that allow it to exist. Right. And, but they're also the same institutions that will charge you an arm and a leg and put you in debt for 20 years of your life. Exactly. So that you can get the same title. Right. Or a d- slightly different one. Right. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I wanted to make fun of those institutions, which those same PhDs that I referenced know that their institutions are a joke, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like they really do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, the institutions that I went to, I felt like I was getting robbed. I mean, like, yeah. I had some great professors. They wanted me to succeed. They were very caring mm-hmm. and so, so knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Incredible people. Best mm-hmm. people that I've probably ever, you know, spent, touched. My life has been touched by them. Right. Uh, but... At the same time, the institution just gouges people, yeah. and it's so unreasonable. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, like the, the you know the joke that these institutions are. Look, science and medicine are absolutely like they're they're real, and predictive results that come out of the scientific method and a lot of these are real. Yes, I'm not arguing against that. However, the institutions, as in like even the literal buildings or organizations or whatever else for science and medicine uh, have frankly become tyrannical in, especially in the past couple of years. Like every time you go on social media, it says, Oh, apparently this 
horse medicine you can take or whatever is bullshit because of a fact checker. Now, they might be right. <laughs> I'm not going to argue for horse medicines. Okay, but who the fuck are these fact checkers? You know, like, and and science and medicine has has become like just an arm of the state now. You know, like the institutions thereof, the processes, the methods, experimentation, all that, totally legit, totally real. You know, and, and I support it, and it's a wonderful and beautiful thing, and we've been able to advance the species in many ways because of it. It's not to say there aren't more other avenues we need to go, but that's part of it, and that's great. Oh, yeah, and one of my biggest challenges in finding a job was finding one that didn't serve the, the state in some way, or yeah, the right. military. Right, almost impossible for a PhD to find work that isn't connected to the state. Actually, everything's kind of connected in one way, but it's like levels of egregiousness. Yeah, like know. if you are doing postgraduate studies or something, like mm -hmm. that's all funded publicly. Yeah, so so to some degree, I wanted to make fun of these institutions. The other thing I wanted to make fun of was at the time I was on Free Talk Live still, and when I would talk about theological matters, when people would call in and say, blah, 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 you don't know what you're talking about, I wanted to be able to say, actually, jackass, I have a doctorate of divinity do you and <laughs> you know and just to hear that freeze that silence on the phone where the person go wait what you know somebody who's saying there is no god is a doctor of divinity now granted yes anybody can go online and pay thirty dollars for a doctor of divinity from the universal life church there are actually multiple universal life churches some of them have you go by the letter of the law which means you do have to complete some kind of course there are others where you can just fucking buy it, okay? Um, Which one did you choose? I actually went through the one that required the course. So, or, I mean, it was a test. It was like 100 questions, you know? And could somebody Google them? Yeah, I suppose. But they actually, like, they, they do a timed thing. I mean, there was a process here. And some of those questions, I got to admit, like, I didn't get 100. You know, it was close, but I didn't get 100. Because um, some of those were really fucking hard, like... Okay, I'm not entirely up on the Baha'i faith as much as I do know about it. Um, I've had friends who are Baha'i, you know. So, I mean, I, I have, and, and fortunately, Baha'i is actually very similar to Seventh-day Adventism minus the extra prophets. Though so <laughs> Adventism has their own prophets. But anyway, um, so, you know, I, I went through that. Um, and, you know, so, so I, I want to be you know clear that, that that's there. Okay, uh, so it's, you know, depending upon how you go about it, you know, it can be as simple as buying one. It, it may not be. But, again, I knew, and the people who I worked with, who, who you know, were fine with me, like, doing this whole process, and believe me, there are people who could have stopped me. If they said, don't do it, Brian, I wouldn't have done it. Okay? So it's not like I was dead set on this and going rogue or something along those lines. Um, but, sure, if someone now wanted to call me on the carpet of where I got my doctorate in divinity, it's up to them to choose whether or not they want to accept that, you know, or whatever. But I was doing it, or one of the reasons I was doing it was for the shock value and the entertainment value of just slamming somebody with this piece of paper. You know what I mean? Even though it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't even mean anything to me. In fact, it doubly a doctor of divinity should mean nothing to an actual person, you know, who gives a shit about theology because, you know, what, like what, especially if like you're Christian or something, What's the New Testament say? Don't put any faith in what moth and rust destroy. Moth and rust destroy, or moths at least, will destroy that paper. You know, uh, <laughs> so like, you're not supposed to give a shit about anything in this world. So I'm also, in a, in a very meta way, 
insulting them because they're giving a shit about my doctor of divinity that ultimately I don't even give a shit about. Despite any like mysticism and esoteric concepts that I hold, and I hold many, um, you know, even I, this doesn't really mean anything to me. It is completely about, it's a showpiece. It's completely about, or it's not completely, but part of it is about entertainment. The other part, the third reason that, and there are, you know, are others. The third reason is uh, I had planned, still do, to write a book about Prisca Theologia, about the original, you know, quote unquote, religion. And I wanted that to say Dr. Brian Sovereign on the cover of that book. And this was the way to do it. You know, um, now people can choose whether or not the things that I say, I like to think I bring a very, I bring a lot of evidence. I bring a lot of, uh, background. I bring a lot of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, evidence is the word, you know, I bring everything that a scholarly, that scholarly research should bring to a situation. Okay. Um, you can choose whether or not you agree with my, people can choose whether or not they agree with my conclusions. Okay. That piece of paper means nothing to those conclusions. You know, like, and, and it shouldn't matter. That's, that's the whole, that's, that's in many ways the whole point is that the knowledge is objective. Okay. Interpretations can sometimes be subjective, but like what's bring brought to bear is incredibly objective, talked about by other people, referencing other, other people who have titles and, and whatever else. Um, you know, if the information's good, who gives a shit what title is in front or at the end of somebody's name, you know? Um, yeah, I agree. Right. So, but at the same time, the world we live in, like you kind of have to do it. It's almost for like marketing purposes. It, and, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but again, that's me making a mockery of the whole damn thing. You know, um, at the same time, like, do I deserve that in my, in my opinion, do I deserve a doctorate of divinity? Absolutely. Fucking lutely. And I'll put my knowledge of my theological knowledge of many religions against just about anybody on the planet. Like I'm that, I'm that confident you know, in, in, in doing that. Uh, and you can say that that's me boasting, whatever, fine. That's for you to, you, you test me and you decide. Um, but I've also got 10 years of a show where people like almost in, in all of the hate mail I've ever gotten, it's almost never disagreeing with my theological points because they know I'm guessing they know I'm right. Or at the very least, my interpretation is one interpretation. So anyway, um, to explain where all this comes from, this is this is where I'm coming from. What what more do you have? I, I I feel like I'm kind of either derailing or going in places maybe you didn't intend. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, I'm glad that you you know said so much about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and as much as you say the piece of paper, the title doesn't mean anything to you. Mm -hmm. um, I still think it's significant, symbolic of your passion of sure. what you have spent your whole life studying. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you didn't go to college. You didn't uh, get this honorary degree right. bestowed upon you from some religious institution, mm -hmm. but you still deserve it. And like the point is, it's not fake. Right. Right. Even if it's, you know, just a bullshit piece of paper, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean anything. It's still like legally you're, you're a doctor of divinity. Yeah, uh, I mean, you've researched this. You're not just taking my word for it. You've looked into it recently because you felt compelled to do so. I mean... Yeah, well, I also saw an article recently. Taylor Swift is going to be a doctor. Um, <laughs> this is nuts. <laughs> which, like, what the fuck? 
you know, but a doctor of arts, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. Something like that. She's being yeah. bestowed the honorary doctor of arts from right. NYU or whatever. Right. And like, I, I'm not a fan of her music. I don't care about her at all. Yeah. Like, I'm good for her. She wants yeah. that title. Go for it. Yeah. I don't care. I don't think she deserves it. Yeah. But if you know, I don't think anybody deserves honorary degrees really. If we're gonna go that distance. Yeah. Sure. Like. You know, but that's coming from a person who went to school for six years for hard sciences. Right. Um, so anyway, like, I, I'm just saying, if you if you want an honorary degree, go for it. You know, yeah. it, if it's going to help you in some way, if it makes you feel better about yourself, if sure. you think it's going to, uh, you know, make you stand out somehow, please go for it. I, I don't judge anyone for that. Yeah. Like, get whatever titles you can. Heck, I even boast sometimes about the fact that I got a, a certificate from Harvard. But you know what? <laughs> I just took a course online. Yeah, you're right. Well, but see. But I went to Harvard. Yeah, see, but that, that's a great example. <laughs> that's a great example because here's the thing. So, like, college, part of the joke that is college is really. Oh, it's so much about reputation. Oh, yeah. But, like, like you can take all these courses on the most incredible things. Like, M MIT has open source classrooms. Yeah. Right? Where yeah. you can go there and you learn better than anyone. Even. In like Silicon Valley, not just in Silicon Valley, in a lot of different market sectors, you you hear everybody saying now, getting a degree is not going to get you the job. What you need to do is actually do shit. Mm -hmm. Like you need to, if you you need to write a program that impresses the fuck out of people, that's going to get you ahead more so than any title you have. Google stopped paying attention to, I mean, fuck Google, but Google stopped paying attention to like your credentials years ago. You know, like they they want to hire the people that have done shit. That's what gets you ahead. And that's the thing. It, you know, like like the, the, these these titles and all this stuff, like like the system is is breaking as it is. But yeah. like it's recognizing, yeah, these things mean nothing. Oh, God, even <laughs> at my last job, you know, they, they had this requirement for so long. People had to have a bachelor's degree to right. get in. But you know how much of your bachelor's degree you use when you get into that position? Oh, yeah. Fucking 2%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. almost nothing. And yeah. at this point, with the labor shortage as it is, they don't care. They're hiring right. anyone. Right. So I don't think it really even, like, again, like you were saying, to your point, education doesn't matter as much as just being there, being present, being intelligent, and being hardworking. Yeah, being passionate. Yeah. You know, about about whatever's going on. Like, that's, yeah, that's always what's going to put people ahead is the passion, not the piece of paper. Um, I mean, we also live in a World War II, you know, <laughs> you know, to get a job. Like, nepotism's kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just full disclosure, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this, so this, this document, this piece of paper that I have here on the wall, yes, it is officially recognized by the federal government in the United States. Okay, that person has... Um, a doctor of divinity what does that confer upon anyone not much <laughs> you know like <laughs> <laughs> nothing really <laughs> yeah it, you know it, again the only thing that it can really work on is it, it can play to some degree with the minds of people i mean it can stroke your own ego if you want it to you know or it just plays with the minds of people who still buy into the old system you know um i mean but it's the same people who think that and this is something we've talked about a lot over the past couple of years and I know this because the industry that my nine to five industry, I know this better than anyone. There's people who still think a piece in Forbes means anything. It means nothing. Like people can pay in just like I do for my doctor of divinity. People can pay in to be a contributor for Forbes. Yep. You do not have to have a journalist, a journalistic class. All you got to do is pay the, pay the fee. 
you know, or, or whatever. Like there might be a couple metrics you have to meet, but anybody can fucking write a Forbes piece today. And all like every, the, the entire media industry is reliant upon, or the entire news industry is reliant upon past glories. It's reliant upon past reputations that mean nothing now. You know, like the only newspapers on the planet that maybe still, or not newspapers, news organizations that might still matter would, and like that have, like where they actually do like independent research and they do all these other things, might be the New York Times and the Washington Post, or not even the Washington Post, maybe like uh, uh, the Wall Street Journal. Like they're like the last two left. Everybody else is giving into the ad industry. Everybody else is like completely falling apart. And I think even the New York Times is a, you know, fucking propaganda and agenda based. You know, Wall Street Journal, not much better. But that's part of the reason, you know, when we were talking about what you wanted to do while, you know, while you're off contract, um, you know, you want to do the newsletter. And that's because someone's got to fucking bring some actual research, independent thought and truth because the news industry is not doing it, you know. And, and so that it's the same it's the same deal. Where like the only things that that this kind of shit matters to, or the only people this kind of shit matters to, like these papers and everything else, are people who 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 are stuck in the legacy system, who are stuck twenty years in the past or thirty years in the past, you know, thinking that oh well this means this this means that when no none of it means shit. If Taylor Swift is getting a doctorate, who nothing means anything, you know, <laughs> like it's all a ruse, it's all a sham, you know, like. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's such a great example for you to bring up because it just shows, you know, like, yeah, like you said, if you can go for it, go for it. But she doesn't deserve shit. <laughs> she hasn't written her own music in fucking 15 years. Like, <laughs> like, like I, 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 I don't understand. You know, she, she, has, she has great people working underneath her, but that's what she has. That doesn't mean she's great. Anyway. Thank so, you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I knew you were trouble when you walked in, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, what, you know, what, what more do you have on this? Like, this is an important subject, mm -hmm. you know, to, to get out there because people have got to realize, like, just everything's, everything's fraud and rigged. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I love science. I love self-education. Yeah. If I could have gotten these degrees somehow without going through an institution, I totally <laughs> would have. Because right. now, then I wouldn't be shacked up with, like, ten years of debt. Right. And I wouldn't have had to spend six years of heartbreaking, backbreaking labor. Right. To, to make that happen. Right. I mean, and for a lot of these things, you know, in fact, we talked about this. We were, um, if you don't mind me saying this, we were hanging out with your uncle. Mm-hmm. Great guy. <laughs> I like this guy a lot. He's a character. He yep. is a character. And actually, he's, he's, it takes someone special to bring something to me and like, and it really expands my worldview, like, you know, like explosion. And he's the kind of guy that can do that. Like two yep. of the most important books I think ever written came from him. I did not know about them until he told me about them. And they're brilliant. Uh, Virus of the Mind is one of them. The other we've talked about in other places. Anyway, we, we <laughs> you were, don't want to mention it. Well, we can, but we, we don't have to do that here. We, we did recently on Patreon content. So go sign up, folks. <laughs> um, but we were, t we were talking, you know, and he's like, I forget we were talking about college and like, what, what does it take for people, you know, talking about like self-directed learning and a lot of these other things. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, he's like, so, so what, so how do we solve this? How do we solve the problem with colleges? And this is years ago that we were visiting 
yep. a year or two, you know. Yeah, it was like two Christmases ago. Yeah, it's pre-2020. And, um, and I said to him, I was like, well, here's the thing. Like, the information is out there. Like, you can go, again, MIT, you know, open source classes or Harvard, like you did, Ellen, or, you know, whatever. Or you can just order the textbooks for all of these courses online. Exactly. Okay, so self-directed learning can get you such and so far. All you really need, you don't actually need universities. All you really need are labs where people can go and use the equipment. That's what's yes. prohibitively expensive. The lab okay? equipment, Right, yeah. and that's effectively all a tuition should really be paying for it. All right. Uh, so, no, like colleges should not have. That's what we were talking about. It's like how crazy, you know, college prices are, tuitions, like they're insane. OK. And I said, yeah, like that is insane because that's not necessary. All you need is just the you need the building set up that people can walk into and use the equipment. That's what you need to, you know, to learn. And this is true for most sciences, you know, in medical you know, matters, everything. Um, but that's not how the system is set up right now. Actually, that's how the guild system, ironically, kind of used to be, you know, a few hundred years ago. I'm not saying we have to go back to that, but that's interesting. Um, and, you know, and he, and he like, I, I kind of felt like he was just like, yeah, yeah. Because the only way he responded to me, he says, so what are you doing to make that a reality? He didn't say you're crazy. He didn't say you're wrong. He said, what are you doing to make that a reality? You know, and, but that's it. It's like, this is all crap. The way everything is set up is crap. This is not how it should be. Because the same person, like you said, can go out and buy their own textbooks or can take the classes. Look, part of it taking eight years, that's a sham too. Because I know people who can learn fucking Python or whatever in a day. And they'll sit there for 12 hours and go through every course and pick it all up at that pace. You're actually holding people back by forcing everybody, okay, you do this class on Tuesday and every Tuesday and every Tuesday or every Tuesday, Thursday or whatever. What if somebody wants to just go through the process, learn it all in a week or one year, you know, and wants to go balls to the wall? We yeah. don't have a system set up for that. And so it's fucking everybody. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the, the, the self-paced learning is really important too. Like if yeah. I had the choice, I would have spent more time like less time on the earlier parts of mm -hmm. my education and more time on the later parts. Right. Because once you get into the really specialized knowledge, it starts to go by way too fast. Yes. Um, yeah. And and there's some intense mathematical stuff that I was studying that I could have used a few extra weeks on. Yeah, sure. Right. So, so I mean, so there's that problem too, because everybody kind of learns differently yeah. and, and there are aspects where you want to concentrate on, but the way the system's set up, You've got to catch up with everybody. Everybody's got to move at the same pace. That's antithetical to growth. That's antithetical to learning. That's anth antithetical to, uh, you, you know, the whole process and ending up with, with the best results, you know? So yeah. it's, it's all crap, <laughs> you know? And if, let's see, when I got this, I was 34, you know? when I got this doctorate uh, of divinity and um, I mean, and Hey, I've gotten pissed off too. I've actually said this on sovereign tech. Uh, the internet like makes research so fucking easy. You know, I used to have to like a lot of the stuff I talk about on sovereign tech comes from the hard labor of actually going to sites like, and I don't mean websites. I mean, sites, places, other countries, whatever. I have to go to those places. I have to go to multiple libraries. I have to read books. <laughs> you know, big yeah. books. I have to go through so much. Now, fuck, you can watch a YouTube video in 40 minutes that covers four years 
of what I had to go through, you know, to, to learn things just because of the, the, the slow process that it took at the time, because there wasn't any way to do it faster, you know? Um, but at 34, you know, yeah. Do I feel like I, I earned that? I, I put in, I put in the hard time. I put in the hard research, you know, and, and, and all of that stuff. But again, at the same time, I can say, you know, on that level, it's all a joke. <laughs> you know, it's all ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you've told me stories about how, like, when you were younger, you used to go to these uh, science conventions or science mm-hmm. fiction conventions, mm-hmm. and you'd talk to these famous authors about the books that they had written. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not even just science fiction. See, that's another thing, too. There are so many people, like, the amount of, quote-unquote, citizen scientists or citizen archaeologists or whatever, you know, people who, like, come up with the most incredible discoveries deserve every fucking accolade that their respective ology, you know, can give them. Um, in fact, I would argue some of the best work has not come from people who spent eight years at university, you know, uh, and, and I mean, fuck, here's a guy speaking of Arthur C. Clarke's mysterious universe while we were watching that episode about the, uh, about the pyramids. Um, and they had Robert Bavall on now, Robert Bavall is an engineer. Okay, that gives him some credence, sure, I guess, you know, in the popular world, certainly in 1995 when that show came out. Um, Robert Bavall, you know, came up with this whole theory of the pyramids being aligned, you know, like with the with Orion's belt and all that. And some people have issues with this, but a lot of people actually in, in mainstream archaeology accept it. Um, there's a lot of evidence for it. Yeah, there's a lot of good evidence. There's, you know, some damning stuff against it, you can say, certainly, and I know that. But anyway... Robert Bavall, you can read his, look, the guy, he doesn't have any actual credentials in archaeology or Egyptology, but his work is phenomenal, and read his books on a lot of these matters, and he's bringing the evidence, he's bringing everything you need to come to that conclusion, you know, with not a lot of speculation, um, and what, I'm supposed to ignore him because he's not like a, a board-recognized Egyptologist? Absolutely not. I, I, I was friends with Zachariah Sitchin. Zachariah Sitchin, you know, I mean, and, and there's plenty of points where, boy, he was wrong. Okay, but I could point at a million archaeologists where they've all been proven wrong a million times over. Who cares, right? You know, nobody like nobody wants to discredit them or anything. They're just like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm wrong, and they move on. Sitchin, same deal, okay? Uh but because some of the things he says people consider crazy, when he's wrong, it's, for some reason, it has more weight. I don't know why. But you read The 12th Planet, I don't. it doesn't matter what his credentials was. That is a tour de force of archaeological evidence that I, I can't, I can barely think of the archaeological text that comes close, you know, to what he lays out. You know, a lot of, especially with archaeology, a lot of archaeology now, a lot of archaeological, like, papers and everything are just, they get printed in, like, Biblical Archaeology Review, and it's about, you know, maybe, at best, you'll get two pages, you know, out of the matter, and then then it's considered, okay, this is accepted by the archaeological community or something like that. These guys, Robert Bavall, uh, you know, Zachariah Sitchin, Ahmed Osman, go down the list, they're writing entire books, multiple volumes, 500-page, you know, like, and they're not fiction, some are, but they're not, most of them are not, and they're bringing everything to you. They're bringing all this this collated data together, you know, for you. Uh, but because they're not recognized by the, you know, Egyptology Council, whatever that fucking is, um, you know, then then you shouldn't pay attention to them. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Give me a goddamn break. 
should they get an honorary degree? Absolutely. You know, like, in fact, to give them give them the degrees that you strip away from all the archaeologists that pedal bullshit all day long that they prove wrong, you know, in their 500 page opuses. So, yeah, I, I've been, you know, and, and I've been around these people who've done tremendous research. I've been around, you know, a lot of people who've done, you know, amazing research and I've gleaned like a lot of personal stuff from them and everything. Um, yeah, I just I, I, I think this idea that that like we only respect people based upon, you know, certain criteria is is is, is kind of nuts. I don't know if that's the reason you brought that up, but but I went yeah. down that road. Yes. Yeah, it is. OK. It's partly about the institutions, partly about the title. Yeah. Meaning nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, yeah. <laughs> what else do you have on this? <laughs> no, I, I think you covered it really well. Yeah. Uh, thank you for talking so brazenly about that. Sure, sure. But I mean, how like how do you like how do you feel about it? You know, I I know this is getting like this kind of inside baseball. Like we're we're talking about some some kind of personal stuff. Um, you know, I'm kind of used to it. I've encountered it, you know, a million times because I'm a weird guy, right? And I'm sort of used to like that that people just aren't gonna get it. You know, they're not gonna get me. Um, and there's like a kind of a, a like a, a more surface level me that I have to have, you know, to, to interact <laughs> with the normies, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I've never really been able to have close friends because I am such a weird person. You are. You're a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm a total freak. <laughs> you are. You are a freak. And, uh, <laughs> woo. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've I've definitely, you know, had and lost plenty of friends throughout my life um, mm-hmm. for, you know, holding some very strong and very um, non-conformist views. Yeah. And I think you and I are similar in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not going to blame you for the fact that I lost a friend over this. Like, right. it's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Um, you're just being who you are and you're being true to yourself. And you're certainly not lying about anything. If anything, I think you're being more honest than most people are. And that's what scares people. That's what freaks them out. Sure. Is that you've had some life experiences. You've done things in your past that are outstanding. In some ways, they're terrifying. In some ways, they're amazing. And Mm -hmm. um, I just don't think the average person is capable of, of handling you. Or me, for that matter. No, they can't handle you. They, they, they can't <laughs> handle you. Not not like you, you, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no way. Uh, no, because, like, we're so... I, I just... I talk to people, and I feel so complicated, and I don't even know how to convey that. Because, like, you know, on the one hand, I can understand where people are coming from when they say, like, oh, this is bullshit. Yeah, okay, it is. Right. But it's also not. Yeah, it's and not. For but, a lot of reasons. Right. But then also everything's bullshit. <laughs> but but yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah, right. There's just so many layers to this. Yes. And um, I think it takes a special mind to, to completely grasp that. Mm-hmm. And it's just too shocking for most people to, to come to that realization that like, oh, you know, my whole worldview, you know, for this, however long I've believed it is actually wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, let me, let me, let, I want to empathize a bit with with people because you know you got to be ready to hear certain things like there is a timing you know yes like like for when things work now i've gotten i like to think i've gotten really good at that timing 
I've learned when I can say certain things to people and when I can't. Um, how to put this? <laughs> like even me, I can remember, you know, when I became more of a libertarian, right? And I'm coming out of the military. I'm coming out of, you know, like all, all these things, you know, um, like I wasn't an anarchist yet, you know, and I remember when it hit me and I've told the story a billion times, so I don't need to repeat it a lot, but basically I heard somebody on the news on Fox news say, and it was judge Andrew Napolitano for those that care say he was asking a question about, okay, in an anarchist society, what do we do about a Navy? And he just responded and said, well, who says you need a Navy? Yeah. And I was floored. Like, I, I just, like, I, I almost, like, I think I might have physically dropped to my knees hearing that. Like, holy shit, right, you know? <laughs> and and it's such a simple statement. And I think we think, you and I, or a lot of people who are listening to this, think that what we think are such simple statements and they're such simple truths, okay? But for other, for, for, for people, even very intelligent people, very intelligent people, PhDs, whatever, you know, like, the the... This could be shocking or shattering. There was a time where like you and I both heard something like that for the first time and it changed our world forever. Do you remember what that was? You don't have to like. For me? Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I guess it was probably shortly after I moved to New Hampshire. Yeah. And I was hanging out in one of the the clubhouses in Keene Mm -hmm. um, where everybody went after doing the the Free Talk Live. Right. Um, And I, I remember... Like, having a conversation with someone and asking all of these questions, like, so what do you do about this? What do you do about that? What do you, you know, who's going to build yeah, the yeah. roads? Stupid things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she just said, like, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I do know that people can figure it out for themselves. And I was like, Boom. what? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> oh, my God, you're right. Actually, that's that, that's exactly how I feel. And, and nobody had put it to words to me like and how did you react like how did i mean i know you react with shock and like wow but what did you you integrated it i assume yeah yeah i did and that was the moment that i became an anarchist okay so right so there you go so i went from from libertarian uh what what is it like minarchist to to (laughs) anarchist anarchist. yeah but like going to anarchism only took like two seconds you just had to hear the statement i just had to hear the right words at the right time yes so two there so this is important i'm glad you brought that up okay so first off you needed to have the person in your life that had the courage to say those sorts of things yes that's what you're saying i have right and and you have it too but that you know but that's what you were just talking about saying like like people can't handle what you're saying okay yeah yeah Yeah, because i have the courage to say it. people can't handle now here's the thing is that i can have the courage to say it all day long whatever but what matters isn't that I have the courage. What matters is, does the person have the courage to integrate it? Does the person have the courage to accept it and to run with it when they hear it? I don't mind that people don't know the things that I don't that I know, okay? That's okay. I don't hold that against people for not knowing what I know. How could I? Or at least in my opinion, I don't think I could. But I can hold against or I can have concerns around how a person reacts to that knowledge, what they do with that knowledge when they do get it. And that's, that's to use a biblical phrase, that's the wheat from the chaff. Okay, is who can hear it and run with it, integrate it and run with it and say, aha, who can have the courage to accept what they just heard? And who doesn't? Who's going to be the hedgehog that buries their head in the sand? Yeah. And that's the difference. Okay, now, 
Granted, even the most ardent hedgehog, not named Sonic, in time <laughs> can, uh, because not every hedgehog is as fast as Sonic, in time, <laughs> can, uh, can accept, you know, can build up that courage and can accept powerful statements, courageous statements. Uh, so, but I want to empathize. Like, I can empathize that someone doesn't know. What I have a harder time empathizing with, even though I can understand that it might not be their time or they're just always going to be a hedgehog, is, you know, what they can do, what they do when they hear it. You know, and like, like if you're if you're not going to dig, okay, don't dig it. Then it's not for you, you know, and that's okay. But like, I know there are things that I hear people say that aren't for me, and I can walk away from that, you know, unless it's something that's going to attack me, you know, or like it has to, like it's threatening my my life somehow. But very few statements, I think, actually threaten my life. Um, yeah, anyway, but if ahead. you hear something that you don't agree with, you don't attack that person for saying some, something like that. Yeah, as long as it's not something that, again, that, that like that's attacking me or, you know, that that's threatening me. Like, of course, I think that's something that that also like it takes a special person to hear something that they don't agree with and also hold that in concert with all the other things that they do. And, you know, see a person as a whole, a mixed bag, you know, mm -hmm. things that you like and things you don't like. And still be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, but you, you know, and I, and I think the you're you're right, and I think the ingredient is you've got to be comfortable in your own skin, and yes. most people are not. Yeah. Okay. You've got to be able, and and this is this is such a, a funny thing, like that's the real sense of power. Okay. Like, and 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 people will react. You have to understand when you are comfortable in your own skin. And when you are, when you have a well-set compass, as it were, okay, personal compass, uh, the irony is, like, so you, you have an inner peace and an inner power at that point. You have real power at that point, actually, yeah. because you know who you are and you're okay with that. Absolutely. Right. The irony is that terrifies people. Oh, yeah. When okay. they find out that you don't need them. Yes. And the sad part is... The end game of a lot of that fear uh, comes down to, ironically, the use of a false sense of power. And that false sense of power is either the law, which is ultimately the gun, you know, or it's or it's ostracism. You know, it's like or it, it's it's all, all there's all these kinds of tools that are actually false power. You know, like people don't realize it. Like a gun is false power. Yeah, because you kick that gun out of someone's hand and then what? Sure. They're going to be terrified. Like, right. oh, their protection is gone. Right, right. It, it, it's absolutely a false sense of power. And, and so, so many of these, like, extrinsic or external tools that are thought of as power are actually a false sense of power. Like, a government a government is a false, a false sense of power. It's a false power, right? Because a government is a fiction that people have to accept, you know, for it to even have its power. Exactly. Yep. You, the individual, are not a fiction. And when you, you know, when you are comfortable with yourself, when you know yourself, when you accept yourself and you recognize and you work on yourself, and you, you know, and, and you have, again, that, that intrinsic motivation and that intrinsic ability and that intrinsic power, um, you are the only real power in the universe. You know, well, I mean, there's gravity <laughs> but, and there might be some other things, but you get my point is, you know, like, it's just ironic that that scares people and it scares people into using false uh, 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 tools of power. 
Um, as far as where I'm going with that, I'm I, I'm not entirely sure, but it needs to be said uh, because that that that's 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 ultimately what, what what worries me, you know, is again people who like they're they're terrified of people who actually have real power and and. It, it, it's such a it's such a it's such a nasty game and it just again it, it's more of that that calling bullshit on everything and i i, I don't want to keep going down this road because it leads to insulting places where i don't need to insult people or whatever um but that's at the core i think of of where these kinds of situations like you were talking about what brought this whole thing up uh kind of happens is oh boy like, I am not so comfortable in my beliefs. I'm not so comfortable in who I am. I am not so comfortable in blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't mean to project on anybody. I'm just saying in general, that's how this happens. Because I, you know, that's the, that's the flip side of it. Nobody can really know what the other person, you know, is going through or yeah. thinking or all that stuff. And so I want to be empathetic toward, towards that too. Um, anyway, do, do you have anything you want to respond to any of that? Because I've just been running my mouth and we're over two hours. No, I, I think what you said is great. I, I don't know that I have anything to add right now. Okay. Especially considering it's getting late. It is getting late, yes. And we wanted to talk about a movie. Um, oh, yeah, we did. But, okay, all right. But you know what? Do you want to make it homework for people? Just Let's just do the one movie. We don't have to do the whole list. All right, we'll just do the one movie. Um, did you get out everything you wanted to say? I feel like I talked way too much there. Yeah, I think I think we covered it. Broad Spectrum is very good. Okay, all right, all right. Thank you. I love having you on. And you have such tremendous insights. You are someone that has that like real power. Thank um, you. And and I, I gladly give into it. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I'm just grateful that you recognize it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that you bow to my commands. Well, I don't think most people can handle yours. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Now, wait a minute, slave. No, no. And then we might have some things confused here. No, no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> wait, wait! I was playing Skyrim last night. Yeah, talking to some one of the characters, and he he said, "When Maven tells you to do something, you better listen to exactly what she says and do it the way she tells you to." <laughs> and I turned to you and said, "I can't wait until people talk about me like that." <laughs> Here's the thing: like, like we're not all right. <laughs> I'm really not power crazy. No, I, <laughs> no. I want, I want, I, I want to say this. Okay, and I've I've brought this up to you many times, um, but there there have been many other cases where this has happened. All right, because I don't want people to think we're like, you know, blowing smoke up our each other's asses <laughs> or something here. Okay. Oh yeah, we're this just is this is important. Sniffing our own. Farts. Yeah, we're sniffing our own farts, right? Uh, <laughs> like other people without you in the room have said at at, at events. Even like on, on public uh, recordings, shall we say, whatever those happen to be, uh-huh. about you, like they have recognized this person operates, meaning you, Ellen, on another level. And the people you were presently around, like they're, they're saying, oh, yeah, like she, she's going to be gone, guys. Like, like she's going to be out of here because like she's just she, she's she's she, they were my point is they're recognizing your power. You like they were recognizing, you know, your your internal power, whether they put it in those terms or not. Okay, they saw it and they knew that your present situation was not where you were meant to be or where you would end up. I was destined for greater things. Yes, sure. Um, You know, and and, and so 
And that doesn't take away from anyone else. No. Like, I think everyone can be empowered that way. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And see, and again, one of the biggest things that people just don't grok is not every opportunity is for you. You know, like we live in a, in a society where everybody's so fucking jealous of fucking everything else. You know, we're like, oh, I should have a million dollars or I should have this or I should have that. Or, oh, gee, I could have thought of broadcast.com and sold it for 40 million or something like that. You know, whatever. Okay. Not every opportunity is for you. There, there's, you know, and, and that's all right. Um, I yeah, don't know just why. be the best version of you that you can be. Right, right. Just not every opportunity is for you. Not every person is for you. Not every relationship is for you. Not everything is, you know, like... You know the other phrase I love from Captain Picard is, you know, a person can do everything right and still lose. Yes, yeah. Holy shit. And I've had people argue with me over that phrase but i think that's absolutely true like you know like and just accept okay that opportunity wasn't for me it's life is not a zero-sum game just because somebody won and you technically lost actually doesn't mean you lost that just wasn't your opportunity you know anyway but you've got to have that personal power to seize the opportunity when it does come so we'll we'll leave that at that um we had the opportunity (laughs) To the watch privilege. The, the privilege to watch. Uh, I picked this movie up on disc because, believe it or not, good luck finding this on the torrent sites. Uh, this is becoming a reality more and more today where, like, I find it a challenge to find movies on torrent sites often enough, certainly in good quality or with the proper subtitles as needed. Um, so I picked up a disc of one of my hero, Harlan Ellison's, one of his uh, uh, favorite Movies. In fact, I've had occasion where he's told me it was his favorite film. Uh, and that movie is The Final Program from, uh, uh, well, the novel was from 1968 by Michael Moorcock, a very famous author out of Britain. Uh, but the movie itself came out in 1973. Um, it's spelled, by the way, and I mean, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can see it, but it's Final, P-R-O-G-R-A, uh, you know, P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-E. Okay, so The Final Program. Um I won't, we don't need to go into a huge, you know, dissertation on the, the plot. Sure. But basically it seems like the world is ending. It's kind of post It's not like post-apocalyptic, but it's like just civilization is teetering, you know, like there's still fancy buildings and everything, but then there's also like piles of cars, like, like dumpsters and, you know, all this kind of crap, like in front of those buildings. Like, so you're on the edge of civilization ending in this movie. Um, and you have a character who is a scientist of, of a sort um, who is experiencing this and basically dealing in his own mind with, okay, what does this mean when civilization ends? Um, but he's the son of a father who was creating a solution for this new age coming after a civilization or the present civilization ends anyway. It's an incredibly weird movie. It is the 1970s. Much of it feels like an LSD trip. <laughs> yes, and, and drugs are very readily apparent. A prominent part of the yeah, movie. In yes. most of the movie. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. I, I just like kind of want to ask, like, like, what do you rate this movie? But I want to talk about it more. Um, yeah, well, I guess just straight up, I'd give this movie an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Yeah, it's a fabulous movie. I yeah. love it. Low budget, clearly. Yeah. Um, yep, low budget. You know, but that's okay. Uh, and I mean, the technology was different back then. Right. Uh, for them to do what they did and 
still make the movie feel like an LSD trip was really spectacular. <laughs> and I think a lot of that had to do with the main character, just the way that he behaved. And he was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is like black humor. Uh, although, although the movie's not directly funny, there are some very ridiculous and silly things that happen. Yeah, I feel like this is very much the theater of the absurd. It's science yeah. fiction, mm-hmm. but it's the theater of the absurd, which science fiction doesn't always go there. Or usually, actually, doesn't go there. It's very rare, I think, yes. with science fiction film. Books, there's a lot of them, but but film, no. Uh, and and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, the music was amazing. Originally, Hawkwind was the band Hawkwind, which I love, was was supposed to do the music but they got like this weird kind of like jazzy yeah country. one point we're listening to there was a, a long sequence and it sounded like country at first yeah and then it went into like jazzy and then it went into jam band right. so it was like a very flowing kind of music and it, i loved it i don't know what it was but i wish we could find out yeah i mean what what was like the standout in this movie for you with the final program the standout yeah was it just the, was it the, I mean, there aren't any really big actors. I mean, Patrick McGee's in it. John Finch, who plays the lead character, Cornelius, is kind of, you know, he, he did some things. Um, but like, what, what, like, what made this movie for you? Um, I think what really made it for me was that the main character was so serious, but at the same time, like, everything was okay. Everything was cool. Um, He's talking about, like, blowing up his house with napalm. He even goes and talks to an assassin <laughs> while they're at an arcade about this. So, so what do you plan on doing about the house? I'm thinking about napalm. You mean napalm. Yeah, n- yeah napalm. <laughs> That's the way he says it. It's so great. Yeah, there's just, like, they, they finally go into the house, and there's mm-hmm. all sorts of weird booby traps. Like, there's... You get gassed if you get closed into this room. Or yeah. Or you run into this room that's got, like, all these crazy colors. I, I don't understand totally what was going on. Oh, the the doorknob that was actually a chess piece, and they figured it out by reading the music that was on the piano. Yeah, exactly. Just weird things like that. And then there's this woman who uh, is working on the project, and she's, like, absorbing people into her vagina. You know, just... <laughs> what do you do with the bones? Weird things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, like, I guess spoiler alert. <laughs> because, so here here's part of what, and I think what made made it, like the funny or what made it uh uh harlan's like favorite movie um because there it, it's it's just constantly subverting expectations yes yep. you know uh and because you're fi- so what the final program is it's a computer program and it's a computer program with human brains connected to it of like the greatest scientists ever the sum of all knowledge right into two human brains yes to try and create this the new messiah that's going to bring on this new age. Okay. And that's what the final program is. A super being that can self-regenerate. Exactly. A hermaphrodite being. And they say these things expressly, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's what this is like all about. Um, there's some Nazism in this. That's like kind of n- not really transparent, you know, like anyway, well, at go one ahead. point, you know, they're standing next to an old Nazi submarine and you can see the emblems on the wall. Um, yeah, that at that point it's kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, but I think they're playing with that. But here's the thing: so where you think that they're going to create the Ubermensch, let's just put it this way: 
That doesn't happen. <laughs> like, well, like, so they do. They create this hermaphrodite super being. Yes. But it is not at all what you would expect. No, you're expecting, like, this beautiful, maybe blonde-haired, blue-eyed creature or something like that. I don't know. You know, guy, or guy. But... It's one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> and it's a tasty world out there. It's a tasty there. world out there. <laughs> this movie's hilarious, you know? But, like, I feel like the theme of the movie is very much can be found in the phrase, the full phrase of the best laid plans of mice and men, you know, like that, that all of that just falls apart. And I, I, I love it. And you might get what you want, but it's not what you expect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> so it's a movie. I mean, it's science fiction through and through, you know, uh, granted, yes, very low budget, you know, but I think that they're clever enough with it. You have to de- accept it for for what it is um but you can't help but walk away from it and and just i don't know almost feel humbled (laughs) i mean you're wondering most of the time what the fuck is going on you know and then when you finally get the answers you're like oh okay and then when everything you know and you know happens uh i mean you just walk away laughing and frankly like almost feeling good yeah um and i almost think the character of cornelius and i think you were saying this and feel free to correct me you know, it's almost uh, an aspirational character because he's just like all the shit's falling apart. And he's, he's just rolling with it. He's just dealing with it. And you know? that's why it's a feel good movie. Yeah. That's why you feel good walking away from it, because it puts into perspective the ridiculousness of existence. Aha. And like, you know, on some level, everything is ridiculous mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's all OK. It's going to be OK. You just handle it as it comes. It actually plays. I think this plays very well with the conversation we were just having about institutions and titles and all this stuff because the institutions and titles here it is here is their perfect the final program this is it we're all the sum of human knowledge the two most perfect beings are going to come together make love and create this immortal self-replicating hermaphrodite creature you know the greatest thing that humanity could possibly come up with and it ends up being effectively a Neanderthal with long nails. And <laughs> yeah, and all the scientists that were working on it died. Right. So, <laughs> it, I, I mean, it, it just it calls bullshit on on all of it, you know. And yep. and, I, and I love it. it. It's such a fun. And and again, that's why I think Harlan like just would have loved this because he he's all about that. Where like, oh, you think this is amazing and this is blah blah blah, and then it all just gets turned on its head, you know. And 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 you find out you're completely wrong and. You know, you didn't even, it's not that you didn't even have the answers. Like, you didn't even know what questions to ask. And And, that's the real shame of it, isn't it? Yeah. We don't know, we don't have the questions. Yeah, exactly. In fact, does he make, does Cornelius say that in this? Where he's like, I'm not sure. We've been watching so many movies lately. We're just on the verge of having the questions. Right. Yeah, it feels like I'm just on the verge of learning the questions. Yes, he did say that. He did say that in this. So that, that really speaks to that. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's a phenomenal movie. You know, I'm, the production values, whatever. You know, like, but that... A movie like this would never get made today. For the subject matter, it wouldn't get made today. And, like, no one would take a risk with a movie like this today. Um, I, I, I just couldn't see it. You know, or, I mean, maybe an independent would make it. But the studio sure as fuck wouldn't put any money into something like this. Uh, and that's that's a pity. Because these are the movies... Like, this is the kind of movie that needs to get made. Um, you know, especially today when everybody's thinking they're figuring shit out and this again just turns it all on its head what do you got yeah no i loved it i mean 
it doesn't get perfect marks just because there's some things that like they could have touched on more they could have explained more like yeah like what's going with what's going on with that woman absorbing people into her yeah how did that work yeah you don't really get an answer are you inspired to read the book yeah actually i am same same i don't i don't (laughs) imagine there's an audiobook out there but now i'm kind of like yeah let's get a copy if we can oh well I've, i've already got an ebook of it oh. you know send it to me please <laughs> yeah i will uh <laughs> maybe you know maybe if you have some free time you could do an audiobook version of it. uh well i do actually <laughs> happen to have some free time i love it i love it um i <laughs> well i'm with you eight out of ten uh like i i i agree that there's things i would have liked some more um admittedly as great as the music was also i can't find the soundtrack anywhere it just doesn't it doesn't seem to exist god i wish we could because that was that was some good listening music yeah right? i have or go ahead no i've got the main title like i found that on youtube that i had to download but there is no official soundtrack release i'll email the guys at intrada and see if they can do it but i don't know uh i was amazed that i was eight, that it's on blu-ray you know um but maybe nobody's ever asked well, you know, here's an inter- do. that could be it. But here's an interesting thing. Like, so I saw this, but I didn't see it until 2001. It wasn't even available on VHS until 2001. And VHS was effectively dead at that point. You know, DVD had taken over. Of course, it came out on DVD at that point as well. Um, but the movie didn't even, it, or it did get a theatrical release in the United States. They gave it a different name. Um, but... Yeah, it wasn't available in the States for, you know, what, almost 30 years. Um, so, you know, like most people couldn't even see it. So I'm not surprised that it's not like on torrents or, or anything like that. Because, again, it wasn't like really an available film until uh, somewhat recently anyway. Um, yeah. So if you want to get your hands on this, you're probably going to have to grab the Blu-ray but or the DVD or whatever. But uh, I, I highly recommend that you do so. What do you say, Ellen? Yes, I would recommend it too. All right. Well, we'll leave this final program with the final program. Actually, no, this is not the final program. There is, <laughs> no! No. You're, There's so much more. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm going to make the listeners sick. <laughs> There's going to be so much. Uh, but anyway, uh, Ellen, it was great having you on. Thank um, you. It was great to be on again. Yeah, it was cool to you know just hang out and talk about all the stuff that's going on and what's coming in the future and what we're up to. And everybody should go see Dragon Force while they're on tour and you know do, do all that jazz. Go catch a good movie. And, uh, you know, like the Khajiit say, uh, wait, how, how did, how did the, how did the Khajiit say it? Um, this, this is a quote that it's, it's actually what inspired me to finally pick up Skyrim again, which we talked about earlier, which go ahead, folks, go, go, go play Skyrim. Um, the quote from the Khajiit is, oh, for fuck's sake, I'll have it in a second. Here it is. Just pause the recording. No, 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 no we're not going to pause the recording. We're going to keep going. Here we go. Um. Our, our struggle against the colossal forces of oppression. Yeah, our struggle against the colossal forces of oppression can wait. Now I'll read the whole thing. You want me to read the whole thing? Yes, please. I actually love this book. All right, here we go. So this is from <laughs> uh, from from Azir Tajazari. I, I I didn't get that right, but he's a Khajiit. The first line of the book is this book is utter nonsense. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> life quote: Life is short. If you have not made love recently, please put down this book and take care of that with all haste. Find a wanton lass or a frisky lad or several in whatever combination your wise loins direct and do not uh, and do not under any circumstances play hard to get. Our struggle against the colossal forces of oppression can wait. 
<laughs> and, then, and that's it, folks. Okay? Go watch that movie. Go to Dragon Force. Go on a van trip. Do whatever. Our, our struggle against the, the colossal forces of oppression can wait a day or a year or, or a night or whatever. Oh, they'll still be there when we come back. <laughs> they'll still be there. Yeah, don't worry. They'll we'll, still be there. We'll be ready for battle. <laughs> yeah, woo! <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. So uh, thank you again, Ellen, for being on. We will see all of you woo, on the other side. Woo. Maybe even the other side of the country. Woo!